What's up, everyone? Hope you're having a great Friday. It is a very special edition of Game Face, our best of E3 2016 awards. We have what around a dozen awards to give out. Something I didn't even like count of them. Two, Somewhere three, around there. Four, five, six, we have a seven, lot. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Yep, couple fun ones, and we're actually gonna do. We're not. We're not gonna have like the big six this week. It's not like a usual episode of Game Face. Uh, you're gonna be able to see the footage of all the games full screen tonight. Uh, and in the archive as well. Um, but we do have a couple other topics we want to get to before we actually get to our best of E3. But before we get to that, what we want to do first is talk a little bit about E3, Matt. Mm-hmm. What was your overall impressions of the show? Subdued. Subdued. I think. Uh, in compare, I mean, any E3 is a crazy mass of hysteria, yeah. but like... It's not like it was nothing. Right. But compared to... Um, a lot of other ones, especially last year, I would say it felt a little low-key. Yeah. I was there late Wednesday, and then I was there all day Thursday. And I walked into the convention center right when it opened on Thursday, and I felt like I was literally the only person mm-hmm. there. There was a massive line for Zelda that stretched on literally for maybe a mile, mm-hmm. just snaking through oh, yeah. the convention center. This is the longest line I've ever seen for anything in E3. Yeah. I've been to 18 of them. I've never seen anything that long. They closed the line at like an hour after the show started. Mm-hmm. Like, just oh, shut when's, it off. When's, I was there all three days. Wednesday morning, I went to Zelda first. I got So I got to Zelda probably at like 10, 15. Yeah. The line was already closed. A lot of the people that were in line for Zelda had already played it. Cause they yeah, because they're all wearing a shirt They you were get. wearing, like, the free <laughs> shirt that you got. I don't know if you guys have seen the video of, like, the stampede of people running for Zelda, but <laughs> I guess depending on... Come on, on people. On your, yeah, come on, people. <laughs> I found that pretty funny. We're going to talk about Zelda here in a minute because we didn't really get a chance to because Nintendo really did a pre- didn't do a press conference. Right. So we did... Analysis of every press conference except for Nintendo because they didn't do one. So we're right. going to talk about Zelda. And in even depth. when they did put some stuff up, you had to sit through 40 minutes of Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ugh. So we are going to get to that. But uh, I would agree, Matt. It felt subdued. Like I saw that uh, E3 put out the numbers. It said 70,000 people total came through mm-hmm. the show. Uh, a slight dip compared to the number it put out last year. But I would argue that it probably, to me, was way less than 70,000. It sure felt like. A lot of more people. A lot more people left after Wednesday than yeah. last year. I'm wondering too if the there's, I went to the other hall, the uh, opposite hall, because you were in South Hall. Yeah. No, you were in West Hall. West Hall, yeah. And I went to South Hall first Thursday morning, and there was a point at which I felt like I had snuck in. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to be in here, right? It was I'm, creepy. Okay, right? It was great though. I literally went and played was, everything I wanted in like five yeah, hours. Yeah, Thursday you get a lot done on Thursday that when that happens. But like, and like but it was like weird because like you know, uh, South Hall was also sort of where uh, that's where EA used to be. It's yeah. where Activision used to be. I, all the people that pulled out this year, that's where they were, and there was there were just wastelands oh, on the far cool. left and right of that hall. And yeah. like, I mean, I went over to the far side, and like, there was no one there except the people working there. There was a band playing like soul versions of video game music. They were pretty good. Was too. that in the 2K booth for uh, no, Mafia was, Three? No, they had like a whole no, band that was set up that was a there. jazz quartet they had for Mafia Three. But now this, these guys were—I don't know what the booth was. It was just like a wooden stage that was as far to the left as you could get in that hall, and they were—and it was like set up with like. Benches and beanbag chairs and big things. So it was, they were playing 
the street fi- a Street Fighter medley. Nice. And literally no one was watching them. <laughs> and I was like, look, I looked at the Natsume booth. I, I, you know, I was looking around at some of the smaller stuff over there. And I, and I started like kind of humming along. I mean, they were good. I was kind of humming along, but I wasn't going to stop to watch them. But yeah. it was just like dutifully plowing through their set. Because they were hired to do it, goddammit. And, and they were probably paid quite well to yeah. do it, I'd add. <laughs> and, uh, and just like the, the um, you know, those like those like gaming chairs that every Twitch streamer has yeah. in the world, those like kind of like racing yeah, yeah. gear chairs. There's like a, it's a booth full of those, no one there except the employees just sort of sitting in the chairs. Oh, I think it was just the like, Twitch booth, wasn't it? It was like the whole no, it back was a, side of the Twitch booth that had those really expensive booths. Yeah, chairs. they had that, well, they had that booth. It was specific to the brand that makes those chairs, uh, but it was, okay. yeah, it was like diagonally right from Twitch. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw that. I mean, the area that used to have EA and Activision in it, it was IndieCade. Mm-hmm. And usually IndieCade is, like, shoved all the way to the edge, and it's, it's very this little prominent. small area. Yeah. This year, it was, like, huge. Like, I don't know if the ESA was just, like, take the space, like, oh, we didn't yeah. sell it. Like, but there's a lot more space dedicated to that. Another observation I had is that I believe there were more booths for video game websites than there were for video game publishers. In that hall? Maybe. Just in, overall. Maybe. It, <laughs> I was like... It'd be a close call. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, everybody had a booth there. Like, I even saw Shack News had a booth mm-hmm. for the first time, like, ever. I mean, no, no disrespect to those guys, but I don't know if, like, there ended up being, like, a fire sale mm-hmm. on, like, booth space, but it's like, you have IGN, you have GameSpot, you have Shack News, you got Twitch, you got YouTube Game. I mean, it's just like... There's more people covering the show than there are places to cover. It was yeah. really bizarre. I almost bizarre. expected the G4 booth to be back, just yeah. for, no, for no good reason. <laughs> I, mean, I almost expected to go to the Starbucks and see our old GT booth like stood <laughs> up there again, so it looked like the show was busy. But, I mean, looking back to the way it was, for instance, when we had that booth at GT, the show has shrunk a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean... Well, you lose EA, you lose a lot of foot traffic, there's a lot of people over at that thing. Yeah. Um, and also, like, the, the Marriott... Hotel has kind of become where everybody does like business stuff. Yeah, so yeah. like a lot. Of, I, I wonder how many people attend E3 but never actually make it to the floor. Yeah, it could be. And I also wonder too if the numbers that the ESA put out, if they're counting their E3 live thing. Oh my god! Which by the way, they stole Disaster. from Spike TV's live broadcast. I was surprised they used that. I guess Spike never copyrighted or trademarked it or whatever. But those of us who remembered uh, uh, E for All were not surprised how that turned out. Oh, it was a disaster. Mm -hmm. Like, the people who went were, like, venting, even though it was free. Right. That shows you how bad it was. It was free, and people were still pissed off about it. Oh, you you made me go downtown for nothing. I'm going to be pissed off. Or, I mean, some people (laughs) may have traveled, like, an hour or two. Some people may have even flown to L.A. for that thing. And, like, apparently there were, like, no games. It was, like, a Lego Dimensions demo and, like, a bunch of minor VR things. And, like, then, like, here, go come buy a T-shirt. And merch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, buy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, sounds like it was an awful bait-and-switch by the ESA there. Let's look forward to next year. What changes do you see coming to the show, Matt? Um, I'm going to be interested to see if EA comes back. I, I, I didn't uh, get any sense of whether they thought you know their LA Live event was better or worse. Or I'm sure it was cheaper. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, and I know that like more and more stuff has started to sort of seep over to LA Live over the last couple of years. Like last year, I remember they had like the Just Cause Three, like like. You know, like um, parachute simulator oh, right, thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like the air tunnel thing. Yeah. Um, 
And now there's like way more stuff over and there. And it should. I mean, that's a yeah. great area there. Like, if you ever go to like a basketball or a hockey game at Staples Center, like that area down there is cool. Yeah. Like, and it's a big open plaza. There's room happening. to do stuff. Like, it's a good space. And, you know, LA will close off the streets as needed. Like, it's a yeah. big space they haven't exploited. Like, yet. E3 should make E3 like a festival. Yeah. And just take over that whole area downtown, make it fun. Like, that band that you were talking about, like, why not have them playing in the square right. there? So while people right. are eating, they can sit and listen to video game music played live. Like, I think next year there's going to be finally, for the first time in the history of E3, a public day. I just, mm. I think that that's the carrot that they're going to have to dangle on the stick to make sure that Activision and EA come back next year. Mm. Um, I was talking to maybe it was you who told me someone was telling me that Oculus spent. Eight times as much for the same booth space as Anime Expo. Really? Yeah. Someone at Pactor's party was telling me that. That that's the difference between booth space, the cost of booth space at E3 versus the cost of booth space at every other convention. It's like eight times the cost. Wow. And so Oculus, I don't even know if you saw them. They were shoved all the way over on yeah. the end. I was lucky to even run into them. But I yeah, that's where they were last year too. And look, Oculus has all the money it could ever oh, yeah. want, and even it was like, "Whoa!" Like this is like too much for what we're getting here. So, you know, to get all the publishers back in and to not have to just, in all honesty, flat bottom their prices for the boost space, because if they don't, either they let the public in, or they're gonna have to hit rock bottom prices for the boost space, or they're gonna keep losing people. Because EA, I guarantee, even though they had their own event spent way less money doing their own event than they did if they were at E3 like they were in prior years. So something's got to give. Mm-hmm. The world's changing. People demand access more. Um, obviously, there's with YouTubers and Twitch streamers, there's a lot more people covering games. I mean, just look at the floor. Like I said, how many booths were there just for, like, websites there? So, you know, the times are changing. E3 has been slow to change along with them. And I think next year you're going to see their first step towards, like, what they did at TGS or what they do at Gamescom. I wonder. I, I think, I feel like the next step is more like make e, E3 Live not suck. Yeah, that Rather could be. than let people in the actual hall. Yeah. I feel like the, I feel like the publishers aren't quite ready for that yet. Um also, the hall isn't ready. For, I mean, you thought Zelda was bad this year. Like yeah. letting everybody in is like that's going to be even crazier. Well, it would be. They would still have the press days, so it would run mm-hmm. for press like us for right. as it always does up until Thursday, and then maybe Friday and Saturday. Then you do two days mm-hmm. for the public. To well, come then in. you're paying for everybody to do their E3 job two more days, and that gets expensive too. What do you mean by everybody? Like people have to work the booths, people have to oh. tear down the stuff on a right. weekend now instead of a weekday. Like you know, it's, it's, but it's built are... into the cost now. Instead of EA having to spend all the money to do something at a different mm-hmm. location, it's just all rolled into that one location. And assuming that the ESA wouldn't jack up the cost of the booth space because it runs an extra two days, which with the way the ESA operates, I wouldn't put it past yeah. them to be honest with you. So. I don't know. I think something's going to have to change. Uh, the show. I think, seemed... I think people, there's a lot of meetings that have to be had at yeah. this point if they're if you're going to keep the show in the in the in the form it is now. And let's not forget the point of E3 is for retailers and distributors to come together. Yeah. See that it, I mean it's a it's a business expo. It's not it's not there for us. It's not there for the gamers. It's not there for the press. It's not there for any, it, it, all that stuff. Sort of happened as a remora on the back of this giant you know retail shark expo. Yeah. And. Um, that all started like at CES, right? Yeah. Right, and but mostly, I mean, it spun off because it was too. It was taking over CES, right? Was too, and so they're like, "Oh, we need our own thing." So, like, 
you know, all those business deals still happen, all that stuff still successful in that whole aspect of E3, which is the reason it happens, is it's still healthy as ever. So, you know, there might be an element of, like, ESA, ESA don't care. Yeah. You know? It all comes down to money. Yeah. Everything always does. Of course. And if the ESA thinks it can make more money by letting the public in for a couple of days and at the same time satiate the concerns of the publishers, I think that's something they'll do. Um, I could see your solution being just as likely. Yeah. Just I mean, really I'm not saying it would work. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I feel like they're going to take another shot at E3 Live. I would prefer that. Like, I would prefer to have up. this like festival atmosphere around right. E3 and make it more fun. Like, it's kind of stodgy, and I think leaving the show yesterday... Like, I walked out thinking to myself, this is supposed to be, like, the best gaming event in the world every year, and it's not anymore. Like, Gamescom pretty much destroys E3 at this point. Like, it is better for everybody. It's bigger, it's louder. Um, If that happened in America, it would get even more press than E3 does. So, I see changes afoot. We'll see exactly how drastic or extreme they are. Uh, I'm just curious if anything can lure EA back there again. This might be tough. It, I think a lot of it depends on their lineup and mm. if they have a lot of games that are multiplayer heavy, right. which they usually will, because they're always going to have a shooter in sports games, which just organically works with large audiences and gets people engaged competitively. So, I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. see. Um, still a great show. Well, I don't know about great. It was good. It was good. Um They've continued the tradition of let's just put the indie games on the show floor mm. and the stuff that people really want to see. They got to wait in line for hours and hours to see. Right. Obviously, we're lucky. We can just jump lines and see stuff. Just talk to PR and we get in. But not everything. Yeah. Like everyone's, you know, the popular stuff is right. You know, I will say this: like it's last few years has been a lot easier to walk up and just get your hands on after a couple minutes of waiting for like eighty percent of the stuff on the floor. Yeah. But the twenty percent you can't do that with is all the biggest. Is it stuff, stuff that you want to see? Right. Yeah. But and I mean, I got to play any indie game I wanted to see. I could go out, you know, you know, even like the up in the meeting room places. Yeah. There, those places. If you have a media badge, they're pretty open to uh, just let you come in and play. Let you come in or like check it out. Like it's 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 not as like crazy packed as it once was. Yeah. Which is nice. Like the pre, you know. 2007 wasn't good, but I but I understood why they made that shift because 2006 was like. Crazy! Was, like 2006, yeah. I remember we like. I got angry at 2006. Oh yeah, like we couldn't yeah. even get our camera crews couldn't to get the our floor. jobs like, done. It was, yeah. it was ridiculous, and, and it was just it was. And I get it. Like, look, I was once one of those people that would just do anything to get in there yeah. and would love to go in and like. But it's still after like it's like the third day of like people just constantly walking through your shots and just ruining takes. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you have your talent there. And they've done a take like four times. They freaking nail it, and some dude walks through the shot. Mm-hmm. And after that happens, like by the third day straight of that happening, I was just like, ah. Although I have to say, there was some very creative photo bombing at the Bethesda pre and post shows. Oh yeah, for with sure. With Evan Morgan, <laughs> uh, props to the guy who changed his shirt four, four or five times between yeah. gameplay segments. Uh-huh. And like every time you come back, he's he's sitting in the audience right between them, and he's a different shirt on every time yeah. they come back to them. And then like Morgan was interviewing someone, and there's like there's a guy just standing in the middle of the shot behind them eating a turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get a turkey leg? I think it was what they were giving. I think it was like a Ferrana reference, oh. I would think. Of they're giving out turkey leg. But he's just sitting there eating a turkey leg. And like, you can, and he's occasionally, he's like, you know, like, like, producers must have been like, get the fuck And he's just like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
<laughs> just eating my turkey leg, yeah. watching the interview. <laughs> the third-party publishers I thought were much better. You could go into their booths and actually play like their mm -hmm. biggest stuff. Like Capcom had like Dead Rising Four on the floor. Uh, Square Enix had pretty much its yeah. whole library that it was showing at E3. There. I got into the Resident Evil Seven demo near the end of uh, Wednesday, like with almost, almost pretty much walked in. Yeah, it, it was uh, a good set, good setup. But Microsoft and Sony, the stuff that they put on the floor is like the B-level grade stuff, mm. like King of Fighters 14 and things like that, or all the indie stuff. Mm. Um, and Although it wasn't too bad until the last day. I don't. I heard it wasn't too bad to wait to see Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Um, but mainly because I think a lot of you got a lot of people got to play each round. That was yeah, it's yeah. like two multiplayer groups against. Yeah, each other. it's like every time it was like sixteen people in, sixteen people right. out, so it can move people really quickly. And then to your point, you were talking about earlier about how you have to wait in line to check out the upper ten percent of games that you really mm -hmm. want to see. In most of those cases, you don't get to play the games. Right. Like you, you go into a, a theater and you sit there and they play a demo for you. And chances right. are, like the demo will be a little longer yeah, than what you saw at the it. press like conference. The, um, the I mean, Days Gone, God of War, were both like there was more to them than what we yeah. saw in the press conference. Same thing happened with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn last year, yeah. where like you know there was, what they showed in in the theater was much ex was expanded. Although I think what they showed in the theater ended up being what they released. To everybody on the internet uh, at Gamescom as like yeah. kind of a video. They actually ended up re releasing the longer de a video of the longer demo version of Days Gone, like mm. just period mm. on YouTube. So there was a lot of cool extra stuff in that. I thought. Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, I guess that's our general impressions of the show. Before we move into the show proper, we have one more thing we want to talk about. We want to look at our E3 predictions to see mm. how we did. So let's take a look here. So your first. E3 prediction, Matt, was no was no new Elder Scrolls announced. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, I think, think we got that one. You got that one right. My first one was Battlefield 1 at the Microsoft press conference. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. Your second one, Xbox and Oculus team up. Well, my main thing on this was both that and HoloLens MIA. Yeah. So... HoloLens was indeed MI, not a mention of it, yeah. but they didn't seem to go any further with their Oculus partnership. Although I bet when they are ready to talk about Scorpio in depth next year, we'll hear about that. But I think I'll give you a half on that one. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. All right. We don't have a sound effect for the half right. <laughs> uh, my second one, E3 2016 will be a disappointment. That's kind of a subjective thing, mm -hmm. like depending on anyone's perspective. I would say I was right on the money until Sony's press conference, mm -hmm. and then Sony's press conference made me only kind of right. I think. Mm -hmm. well, I think I think you were right in spirit, in the sense that, like, in comparison to last year, it was very low key, very muted. It was sort of everybody seemed to be kind of holding their breath for the new new hardware next year. Yeah. Um, Put it this way, I can totally understand why someone would come away from this E3 and feel disappointed. I didn't yeah. feel too disappointed by it, but like that is, I think that is a totally understandable point of view. I would also say, too, there's kind of two different perspectives. There's a the perspective of the person who sat at home and watched the mm. coverage and watched the press conference conferences, and then there's a the perspective of the person who actually goes to the show. And as someone who actually went to the show, I think it was a disappointment. But I could see where if someone's just sitting at home watching all the press conferences... Consuming over 1,100 pieces of content on Sifted, mm -hmm. they would probably say it wasn't. So I'll give myself half of that one. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. Is that fair? All right, your next one, Mother 3 for the West. Totally wrong. Let me flip the switch on this one here, Matt. Oh, nope. wait. 
You want the one in the middle, I think. There's one in the middle? Yeah, there's a setting in the middle. Let's see if this one is right. There yeah. you go. <laughs> That's a fun one. I'm glad they didn't steal that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the thing that cost that was free, yeah. <laughs> they left that behind. <laughs> I even, yeah, I, even asked, I even asked somebody at the Nintendo booth about that, and they just laughed at me. I was, I was like, well, he, said, he didn't say anything about Mother 3. They're like, no. <laughs> 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 it's Zelda year, you fool. Like, yeah. And only Zelda year. Yeah. Zelda and Pokemon Sun and Moon, that's pretty much it. And a couple of 3DS games. Nintendo's showing was not great. Um, so, yeah, not, you weren't good on that one. Uh, my next one was Sea of Thieves will be a game of the show contender. I'm going to give myself... The applause mm-hmm. for that one. Um, Certainly I, has shown up on several nominee lists. Yeah, I saw it on five different websites today as nominee for Game of the Show. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit mm-hmm. later, but I think it deservedly so. It, uh, it, it deserves to be on those lists. But, uh, yeah, I'll give myself a go on that one. Your next one, Matt. Grand Theft Auto V Story DLC and a Red Dead Remaster. Yeah, this is my out-on-a-limb one. I might have to give you, Way two, out on might have to give you two buzzers for that one. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a very disappointing E3 if it announced that. That's true. You're absolutely right. Those two kind of tied together. But, yeah, we heard nothing about GTA at all. Actually, no. Rockstar, just nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. They 2K Rock- was there. Rockstar was busy playing with the HoloLens. Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, so you missed both of those. Uh, my next one, no release date for Kingdom Hearts 3. Possibly the easiest prediction in the history of E3. <laughs> Still correct, though. Yep. I don't know. They showed it last year. Yeah, but I didn't Here think, we are a year later. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to end up. Not with the 2.8 final prologue chapter <laughs> entry textbook, <laughs> whatever the hell that thing is coming in December. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, Kingdom Hearts 2 is, 3 is next year for Lucky. Yeah. But I still thought they might announce a release date since it was there last year. I don't think Square is dumb enough to commit to anything less than anymore, nine months out yeah. anymore. I think maybe Final Fantasy 15 taught them something. Yep. And then but we'll last, get into that later. We shall. Uh, your last prediction, EA will not show Visceral Star Wars game. So, we didn't get a title. We they showed it, five though. five seconds. They showed it, though. I don't count that. I count it. Nah. What do you say, chat? They showed five seconds of the game. Is if that you're satisfied or... with that, I don't know what fucking planet you're watching. We'll let the chat man. decide. All right, what is it, chat? Does, does Matt get that one or not? I say he doesn't. He say he says he does. Also, I did say when I sent you the email, like, shows nothing, we get no title, but we might get, like, five to ten seconds, like a, like the Battlefront teaser. That's true. You did say that. All right, so I will give that to you then. I had already switched the brother over to Nay, but I'll give you a yay. And then my final prediction was, they're all saying it kind of counts. No, they're actually split down the middle. He gets it. Yeah. Okay, that's not half counts. <laughs> and my last one was impressions of VR will change. Um, this might be something that the chat needs to uh, determine as well because mm-hmm. they're the ones who decide whether their impression of VR change. I was already hype about VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously not hype enough to go spend like thousands of dollars to get in on it, but I was right. hype about it. But from my personal perspective, it is it's right. Like it did like change my perspective on VR. I saw the first, like, real games for VR there. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw the first, really, VR games built around properties that people care about, where yep. just the fact of being in VR in that universe has, like, a massive impact, like Batman Arkham mm-hmm. VR. Uh, I talked to a lot of people who were like, oh, my gosh, I looked down, and I had, like, the utility belt on and, like, batarangs hanging from my waist, and I was like, oh, my God, like, 
I haven't really heard people talk about VR, at least not the people or the type of people who are talking about this. Like, um, Pactor's Party is always a good barometer because mm -hmm. everyone just is talking about what they saw for the last couple, couple uh, days or whatever. And, uh, and last year at Pactor's Party, I don't think anyone brought up VR the whole time. This time at Pactor's Party, it was one of the hot topics of discussion. So at least industry-wise and for me personally, I think I got that one. Mm -hmm. What's your perspective? I think my perspective on VR changed, just having you know some experiences with it that kind of showed it. I mean, it didn't show me something that I didn't think was possible before, but it yeah. definitely showed me that the companies are thinking more in terms of a value, valuable and worthwhile experience using the tech than they were when, like, you know, because I was worried it was going to be a bunch of another Kinect games, you know, yeah. stuff like that. And I don't feel like that's what I saw. Or also, the very, like, Fallout 4 VR, mm -hmm. which ended up being some of the best Doom, VR yeah. at the show. So I would say, like, I mean, I th at the very least, I came out of the show feeling much more positive about, you know, our, our initial foray into VR over the next, like, year or so. So I would I would say you were, you got you were right. Resident Evil for me, 7. For me you were right. Resident Evil 7 VR as well was there. Mm -hmm. And we'll obviously talk about RE7 here in a bit. So I'm going to give me give myself that one. So that's me at four and a half mm -hmm. and you at 3? Uh one half or three two, and a half. Wait, one half two two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, because I missed Mother and missed that, so I got half points for HoloLens, one point for Elder Scrolls, one point for Star Wars. Yeah. Two and a half. If only I could win in fantasy, video game fantasy, like I just won that little... Yeah, well... <laughs> You're going to win what matters. This is just a fun little prediction we'll thing. See you in Bloodborne, son. Yeah, you shall. <laughs> All right, it's time to move on with the show proper. The first topic we're going to talk about today is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ooh. So... This it's a pretty good subtitle. I'll give him. I'll give him that one. Yeah, yeah. One of the like, better subtitles for a while. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely one of the better uh, Zelda subtitles, and maybe ever actually. Now that mm -hmm. I, if you start thinking about the Zelda, Zelda subtitles, they've all been kind of wacky. Yeah. This I'll, one actually like means uh, something to the overall breadth of the I'll game. Probably, I'll say this is probably the best Zelda subtitle since A Link to the Past. Yeah, that's, I'd, I'd agree with that. So this game, if you haven't noticed, like over the last couple of days. Best of E3 awards are coming out. This game is, like, tending to sweep the best of E3 awards. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we're going to get into our awards here shortly. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about that? Um, I think it's amazing what Nintendo can get away with. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. liked it. I like the game. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I will definitely play it for a very long time. I'm sure it'll be good. I'll buy it with my NX, probably. Yeah. You know, Zelda game will get me out there on launch day, I'm sure. But there's nothing in this game that I haven't played five to six times in other games. And, like, the, the main furor over this game is the fact that Nintendo is finally using gameplay ideas from, like, this decade. From the West. Yes, from the West. <laughs> there's a lot of, but there's a lot of survival game stuff in this. There's a lot of, like, open yeah, world. like, food. Open crafting. world circa 2011 stuff in yeah. it. You know, it's like, it's, but it's, uh, like, if any other company had put this game out, not a Zelda, but it's just, like, here are the same mechanics with a different coding, like, no one would really be paying attention to it. I like, think this is the least innovative console Zelda ever. Wow. Think about it. Yeah. Ocarina of Time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Majora's Mask had the crazy time element that you mm -hmm. had to mess with. 
Wind, so, yeah. Wind Waker would be close to second. Yeah, Wind Waker I guess. didn't have a whole lot of. Yeah, I mean the sailing stuff, but like I think messing the, with the wind. The, the the innovations of Wind Waker are also kind of what made it a little tedious near the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Twilight Princess. Style, Twi- Twilight Princess went out on a limb in a lot of different ways. It did. Well, I mean, it has the first motion-controlled Zelda, yeah. and then with and making yeah, you know, the, the wolf thing and the different worlds and stuff. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a that was a step. Yep. Skyward Sword had the first motion plus controls, mm-hmm. the best motion motion control of the two games for sure. I know it didn't always work amazingly well, but at least it tried something new. Unless you played Wii Sports Resort, right? Um, but it yeah. did try something new with the world and the myth- mythos, and it was the, probably the only time in the whole series where Link felt like an actual character, yeah, with traits. And, and it had like the overworld where in the sky, mm. and I mean, it, it at least tried a few new things. But this game is just like it's trying new. Thi- this one's trying new things for Zelda. For Zelda, right? But it's like there's a lot of moments where I was playing. I was like, I remember when I did this in Don't Starve. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and look, man. Or I, you can just start talking about other action RPGs, right. like any Elder Scrolls game ever. Yeah, also, from like ten years ago. Right, but and also if you you know, if you if you saw the Horizon Zero Dawn demo, there's a lot of the same things happening in that game as in Breath of the Wild. But Horizon Zero Dawn looks a lot better, looks a lot more interesting, and has a way more interesting world. Oh, it also has, like, real, like, story and, like, mm-hmm. cinemas and voice acting and and the combat in Horizon. And I'll get into Horizon in a bit, but the combat in Horizon is far deeper mm-hmm. and, yeah. I just feel like this, you know, maybe this take on Zelda should have been Skyward Sword. Yeah. Like, this probably should have happened a while ago. Yeah, that's Skyward Sword should have been the first action RPG take on Zelda, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, but I agree <laughs> with you. It, I'm excited to play it. Excited as hell oh, to play yeah. it. I really enjoyed playing it. Like, yeah. there's a lot of things, like, the combat's much more complex. There's a lot more things you can do. All the stuff where you can use the environment and, like, the thing where, like, I, I know there's a gif floating around of it, but it's like, you know, there's a, the, you're fighting the Guardian or whatever, the, the, the Guardian thing that, like, sets something on fire with its laser, and then you can, like, jump over, like, off the horse and use the, the, the parasail leaf thing to ride the updraft, and then, like, you jump out and you know, yeah. aim the arrow and shoot its weak spot in midair, and like, so I'm like, there's a lot of cool stuff. There's a, that's what I really love about it, is all the little touches in the game. Like, uh, like the one enemies you fight, like, they, they crumble... Mm-hmm. Like the skeletons, they crumble, and then like the head will start rolling back to like the body, so the body can reconstruct. And what I notice is like, you can knock the head off of one, and then if you destroy the body on that one, the head will actually start rolling towards another body to attach mm-hmm. to another body. Like it isn't just linked to its original body. Just little cool stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I found, that's the stuff that I kind of found playing it myself for the thirty yeah. minutes versus play, watching the demos on yeah. that Nintendo ran all day. It felt good, but I mean, all Nintendo games usually feel good yeah. to play. But here's the other thing I would say: talk about a downgrade a ton visually. Yeah. What happened to like all the grass that was in the field of the first like footage that they showed of it? Like, know. it's just this like barren wasteland. I have a feeling that might be back in the NX. Version. Maybe. Um, here's the thing. There actually I, is some grass right there. Yeah, but finally. I I also don't think what they were showing uh, on like the gameplay demos looked quite as good as what's in the trailer. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if the trailer was using NX More hardware, powerful hardware or something. You know, or yeah. at least they're, or they're cleaning it up or taking it straight from the buffer or something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the climbing. Seems really slow. Drags the game down. 
Like, like just I'm, give him the, what, what's up with the hook shot? Just let me hook shot up to the top oh, of that I'm cliff. Sure, I'm sure that's coming, but um, at some point, but like, uh, or maybe a grappling hook or something. But like, I don't know. Like, I kind of agree it's with I kind weird. of agree with you, but then like, my this Shadow of the Colossus fan in me is kind of, sort of like, oh, I get to climb things, you know? It's like, yeah. Um, so I, know, I guess I guess it depends on how just like irritatingly prevalent it becomes in general gameplay as you go. It seems like you do it a lot. Like it does. watching Nintendo really does. play the game, they were climbing constantly. It's like they need like a quick like scramble or something. Like you can do like kind of that leap to uh, gain some extra mm-hmm. like verticality, but it's like you should be able to just keep doing it. Like Uncharted, where you can just keep jumping and just quickly clamber, and mm-hmm. every other action RPG for that matter, like Tomb Raider or whatever, like. Quicker climbing would be really appreciated, but you know it's kind of being a little bit nitpicky when you talk yeah. about some and of the other stuff. You know, it ain't done. Yeah, they got a long, <laughs> long time to tweak. Yeah. I'm sure they got a lot of feedback at this, so maybe it, maybe he'll climb quicker. Yeah, in the final. I like the game. Um, don't get me wrong; I'm not hating on the game at all. I think it's going to be good. Hopefully, yeah. really. The nice good. thing about it, I think, was like as you played it, you kind of hit these moments where you're like, you saw things, and you're like, oh, I wonder if I could do, and you generally can. Yeah. If you wonder, you wonder if you can do it, and then there usually is a way to do it. They thought of just about everything, and none of it is particularly, you know, groundbreaking or new. But it's groundbreaking and new for Zelda, which is like, you know, it's cool that Zelda will be that. But it's it's also um you know it's 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 a little bit a factor of Nintendo playing catch up. Here's what I wonder. Here's really the big question: If this game was made by Bandai Namco, mm-hmm. or Tecmo Koei, or whatever, and it was this brand new IP, do you think that it would be getting Game of the Year awards? No, I do not. I don't either. I don't even think it would be nominated for most awards. I think it would be like a hidden gem. Right. It would be be like, like, hey, you might want to keep your eye on this thing. It's way better than what we thought something out of this company would be like. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I... Can you believe Japan still makes video games? You yeah. Know, like that, I mean, that's what it, I think that's what it would be. I mean, there are some, or were, some amazing games at E3 2016, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about them here in a bit. And, like, to me, it's kind of a joke that this game beat some of these games for Game of the Year at these publications. I mean, and some of them are the same exact genre. And you mm-hmm. see what that game is doing right next to Zelda, and it's like... It's like the difference between like a blaze and like a campfire. Mm-hmm. Like, well, to me, it's like it's like if you, if someone told me that like they're, they're they, think, they think the best movie of 2015 was The Force Awakens. Yeah, it's like I get. I mean, I love The Force Awakens. I thought it was great. But really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how I, many movies do you watch? Like, I get that that created these feelings of nostalgia, and it's okay to love Star Wars again. It's like, and I love you love seeing these properties and these characters come back again, and Zelda's the same way, like that. But it's like. You really want to hold that up against some of the the work being done in film now and say that I feel the same way about Zelda. It's like you want to take this thing that does traffic in this brand and this franchise and these characters you love very much, and I do too, but you want to really hold this up and say, like, this is as good as the best work being done elsewhere in this convention? Because I don't think that's true. I think one thing I've discovered this week is that most journalists deep down inside are Nintendo fans. Yeah. I guess. I don't know who else would be sprinting for the booth on Thursday morning. Yeah. Well, those weren't journalists. Those were just industry kids or whatever. Mm. My my main, my favorite thing in that video was the guy standing in front of the doorway doing the praise the sun thing. Yeah. And making everybody run around him. Like that. I don't know who that was, but you are my hero, sir. (laughs) That was very funny. Yeah, it was funny. Um, Again, I really liked it. Uh, Would I nominate it in my top? 
five for best of show? Nope. Probably not. Top ten best of show? Top ten, yeah. I would put it in top ten. I don't know. I think. It would be like right on the borderline Yeah, there. maybe if I counted up ten, I would like, oh, Zelda's actually like eleven. You know, and this like, is I also counting the fact that, you know, I'm a Zelda fan and I like Zelda. Like, mm-hmm. But I also am trying to look at things realistically and even-handedly. And there are a lot of good games at E3. I mean, even this game compared to something like Dishonored 2, like, mm-hmm. or Mafia 3 even. Like, Mafia 3, I think, has been getting a little ignored. Yeah. Like, especially because, like, that, that had... Mo- Mafia 3 might have had the best booth. So oh, it, de- it it had one of the really best good. booths I have ever seen at E3. Yeah. Ever. It literally, I was just in <coughs> New Orleans not that long ago, so it's very fresh in my mind. I mean, it was literally like being in New Orleans. They had the jazz band, like the four-piece jazz band in there. The outside was built just like every single house <coughs> in New Orleans. Like, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, they had, like, at one point I went through there and they had... Um, they had like these little tables, like kind of dine, you know, you know, restaurant tables along the sides, and uh, they had psychics, like like fortune tellers, <laughs> sitting at them and, the and like and like psychics. reading people's palms no and stuff. Way. And it was like, like it was just like a really complete theming experience. experience. Yeah. It was great. You know, it was, it, I was I was very impressed. By Easily the best booth at the show. Maybe one of the best booths at E3 ever. Mm-hmm. For just that one corner that was set up for that. I also yeah. like the Resident Evil Seven farmhouse. That was nice, too. It yeah. was just a farmhouse just plopped down in the middle of the show floor. It's amazing with, like, a big steel gate around yeah. it and, like, And for, like, really you know, cool Capcom stuff. usually does a pretty standard corporate booth yeah. set up, but, like, they really went all out for that. And I'm, I'm still shocked that Resident Evil 7, like, snuck in like that. It was, we, we had no idea. We'll talk about that as well. Um, getting back to Zelda. So, do you think it was the right move for Nintendo to just show the overworld stuff? Um, apparently it's all they needed to do. I guess, yeah. I guess that's so, a, like, that question answered itself. I mean, I would have loved to see every the game of, of the it, show. But, yeah. yeah, I think personally, when I was watching the demos, I got really bored of it after a while because there's nothing to do, and like the world looks very cut and paste. It's like you see like the same rock formations over and over, the same grass textures over and over, and like a lot of the overworld is barren and boring. There was this like one stream. They're like, okay, we're taking you beyond the plateau. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, we were on, like, the master stream, and we were, mm-hmm. I was hanging out with all the sifters and whatnot, and we all got excited because we had just watched, like, three hours straight of basically the same crap. And then <laughs> Bill Trinan, like, is in control of the whole thing. He literally runs through, like, miles and miles of terrain that looks exactly the same. I mean, the same, like, hill down, hill up, with the same rock texture on the side of it that he needed to climb. He just kept going over and over and over. And then he gets to the end and he's like, see over there? That's it. It was like, no, dude. Like, we thought you were going there. Like, we don't want to see it. We can see it before. You can see so far in this game all on its own. Like, I don't know. I, I, you know, now that the response has come in and everyone's, like, gushing praise all over the game, I guess they didn't make a mistake. I just wonder... For people like you and I, who sort of haven't completely fallen under its spell, if we had seen at least like one real dungeon, mm-hmm. that if maybe that wouldn't have changed our opinion of it a little bit. I, I think it would have helped me. It, it definitely would have helped me, without a doubt. So, but it looks like we're in the minority on this. Every, yeah. every other journalist in the world seems to think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, since mowed grass. I'm, well, so yeah, well, there, there he is, <laughs> mowing the grass. Never done that before. Yeah. Um, and now it doesn't even give you hearts. Yeah. I'm I'm very I mean I am very interested. Jump about, button. There's no automatic jumping anymore. Yeah, I'm very interested. If you're gonna let in him the, climb um, like that. I guess you have to take it out. 
I'm very interested in the uh, survival aspects of it because, like, we've talked all about all the food with, and everything. Yeah, like we've talked food. about with No Man's Sky and all that stuff. Like, cra- you know, that kind of crafting survival stuff is like a really cool idea, but it's really easy to do it badly and ruin the game. Yeah, I mean, I I have enough faith in Nintendo's obsessive testing and retesting of things that I figure they're probably not going to screw it up. Yeah. Um, oh, the game will come out and be polished as crap. Yeah, and it'll be to a fine sheen because they've been working on the game for. When it comes out, they will have been working on this game for five years or more. Will yeah. they ever be able to sell enough of this game to make it worth all the investment they put into it? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, don't know I mean, it's, it's probably going to be va- mostly valuable as... Sony's know, answering that question right now at The Last Guardian as well. True. It's like, are we ever going to get our money back on this I thing? Think it's, I think it's more... Um, uh, this is going to be more valuable to them as a way to get people to look at the new system. But it's going to be available for Wii U as well. Like I could, I would agree with you 100% if it was only coming out for NX as a mm-hmm. launch game. But when it when there's 10 million people out there that can buy this game for the old system, yeah. But those 10 million people are the diehard weirdos, and they're going to jump right to the new system. Yeah, the majority of them, I think. Yeah. Hell, I think you could have not released it for the Wii U, and those people would all be pissed off, but they'd still buy the oh, new system. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, those 10 million are the hardest of the hardcore Like, Nintendo you'd have to fans. kill someone's family member most of the time to, like, get them to pass on the new Zelda. I mean, it's, I, I, don't feel, I don't think there's any way you could alienate that audience enough to make, to make them deny themselves that game. Yeah. So. How do you feel about the overworld in this game before we move on? Because I hope, I hope we saw a, a lot ton more. of it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, I hope there's a lot more variety and a lot more to do. I mean, the... Obviously, you don't get to see a lot of it firsthand when you play a quick, you know, a thirty-minute demo of something. But like, I basically, like, I ran into a couple of little things I could do, a little, you know, moblin camp or whatever, and I just felt like it felt like there wasn't enough reward for what I was doing. It didn't seem like there was much to do in the overworld. No. I mean, there's random enemies that just pop up from the ground, and then mm-hmm. there's the little camps where there's like three or four dudes that you need to kill. And I, I enjoy like poking the, around. But... Then there's the shrines, like the. Yeah. And the guard, you have to kill the guardian of the shrine first, and you can go in. I think you might be able to get in without it. I can't remember. But those shrines are like little mini puzzle mm-hmm. levels where you do a lot of block pushing and stuff like that. And then when you complete it, you get an orb, and then the orb goes into increasing Link's abilities. No female Link, by the way. Yep. Any opinion on that? No, it's a little disappointing, um, mainly because like the answers, the the reasons they gave make no sense. Yeah, and it's just like if you didn't want to do it, just say you just didn't say want to we do didn't it. want to do it. That's yeah, cool. Link's the boy. That's don't fine. make up this whole thing about it. So it's like, oh, we thought if if we put her a female Link, then who would Zelda be, and it would ruin the balance of the Triforce? What does that mean? <laughs> like, what, what would Link do if Princess Zelda was the main character? What would Link do? I'm just like anything he fucking wants. You can you, you get to you, write you, the story. You're right, man. Yeah, you like, can do whatever you want. Like, the only character trait this guy has is he's brave. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And, and the only reason that's his character trait is because we're the player and we can fucking go in anything we want because we're not afraid because we're not him. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I, so I mean, it's disappointing that this thing that a lot of people I think were really hoping was going to be an option that, were, yeah. that we were given didn't exist. And then the other thing is, is like, why does Link look like a girl then? There's not a lot of supercuts out there, so he's just gonna, you know, he's gonna go with the out natural look. Um, and then the other thing is like because it seems like there's voice acting in this game and the voice acting calls him Link. Maybe, you know, there's people that I know that are a little put off that, like, you can't re- probably can't rename it. Yeah. So not only did we not get an option that a lot of people were hoping we'd get, we also lost an option we've always had. Did you ever rename Link, though, when you no. played? I didn't either. I never have. <laughs> <laughs> He's Link. He's Link, He's Link. exactly. Yeah. I would never do that. 
And if, and he, if he was a girl, I'd name I'd name her Link too. I yeah. don't Linkle. I don't give me the, don't give me the Linkle crap. Link Link can be not like Link male is or female. A male doesn't matter. Or anything. No. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, I'm excited for the game. Um, I don't know how excited I'll be for it a year from now. Yeah, it's a long time. Imagine all the games are going to come and go by then. Yeah. They might change even more drastically yeah. your impressions. I mean, of this I'm, game. I think I'll still enjoy poking around this world with him, and and you know, if, especially if the dungeons are on par with some of the better Zelda games, it's gonna, you know. And there are towns. They talk about that. There's yeah. towns that you visit, and there's supposed to be NPCs. I didn't really see other than that see old much, man. I'm, sure, I'm like, sure they're not showing us everything by any means. There's yeah. Nothing. Nintendo's very good about controlling what you what they want you to see at this time, and then at this time, and then at this time. But um, I mean, this thing's gonna be coming off the back of. Um, of Horizon Zero Dawn the month before, yeah, really, of really, you know, released the month before this, and Horizon Zero Dawn feels like a very similar approach to this idea. Yeah, and right now Horizon Zero Dawn has the edge in my book. Oh yeah, yeah, so, we'll talk about that in a bit as well. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how both you know the landscape of what's released and me changes yeah. from now to then. Yeah, especially because when you think about it. This is a game I'm going to probably pay about $500 to play. Because we're, <laughs> we're buying a new system. Yeah. Right? Well, and hopefully it lasts. I mean, I'm guessing it's an open world action RPG. It should yeah. last you around 50, 60 hours. I mean, Zelda games generally go about 30 anyway. anyway yeah. so. I'm sure there will be incredibly dumb reasons to collect rupees and bugs and whatever. You know. Well, it's not like you're going to get achievements. No. <laughs> but I, God I, forbid. But I am a completist. So. Yeah. But uh, it is kind of weird to see... A Zelda game be a Me Too game. Yeah. It really yeah. is odd. Because it's yet, always been like a trailblazer. Yet, like, on one hand, like, it's also... The other hand, it's also kind of what I wanted. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't, you know, like I've said before, I'm like, don't, you know, just give us the open world. Don't give make me have to go through some gimmick. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't, really. I mean, they took a lot of stuff that has worked in other games and sort of threw it all in the pot. And we'll see if what comes out is what we want. It had to do it eventually. It couldn't stay with that rigid structure that it had before. So, mm-hmm. And, I mean, truth be told, you look at a game like Ocarina of Time, and, I mean, it kind of was the first open-world action RPG, if you think about it. The RPG elements were crazy light. But, I mean, when you could ride a Pona around Hyrule... It was the closest thing you got go to an open world Back then, then. yeah. I mean, that was, was 98. And it was just about <laughs> as empty. It was, it was so. definitely. All right, we should move on. We have a ton to get to in today's show. The last topic before we start getting to our awards, we're going to do two up and two down for E3 2016. For those of you who have never seen this segment before, basically Matt and I both picked two games that we thought rose from, from the press, from the, uh, press event and two games where our hype level went down because of it showing at the press event. So, Matt, what is your first? We're going to do two ups first, and then mm-hmm. we'll do two downs. What's your first up? My first up is For Honor. For Honor. Um, I was looking forward to this game anyway, because I like the idea of like you know these you know medieval or whatever era combat, you know, fighting against each other. You got Vikings versus samurai versus knights. Um, and uh, the guy making it seems to really believe in it. It's like a 14-year passion project for the guy. So I, you know, and I love hack and slash, like hand-to-hand combat stuff, especially if it's done well. And so I was hoping it would have, 
It'd be kind of like Dynasty Warriors, but like with some level of complexity to make it interesting, because like you know, not just like a brainless hack through a giant crowd thing. Yeah. And I finally, like, I didn't play multiplayer last year. Yeah. Uh, but I did get to play the single player stuff uh, behind closed doors this year, and uh, I basically loved it. Wow. Um, and I'm also really good at it. Uh, wow. But it's like <laughs> I might have something to do. But with as it. a fighting game person, like there's a lot of there's a lot of fast reaction stuff. There's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of um, optional ways to handle situations. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on here under the hood that I don't... And I, I wonder if it's going to be a little too complex in some ways for, uh, like, the general audience. Because, like, I was using a lot of my, you know, three-frame three reaction time stuff on some of the harder fights in that demo. Yeah. And even the people, the guys giving the demo were like, wow, that's... Like, they told me a couple of... Control tricks that they don't. They said they don't normally tell people to do the demo. I tried doing this and this, and I'm like, oh, and so like I learned how to parry and I learned how to do the counter stuff. Right. And like, there's a lot of stuff in there, and it's really yeah. Cool. The combat's pretty deep in that game. So I was into that, and like, I was worried. I know I said when we watched uh, the press conference uh, that I was worried that it looked kind of um, weightless. Like the combat looked like he was just sort of sweeping through um, the the cannon fodder soldiers or with that. But when you actually play it, the sound design really makes those hits oh, matter. Oh, for sure, yeah. And there's a little bit of vibration in the controller too, so it doesn't. It did not feel like that. Like when I actually had my hands on it, it was it was very satisfying. So I gave I gave Frontier a big thumbs up, especially because again, it's a a take on that sort of thing. You know, very accurate to like you know quote unquote real medieval right. sword fighting. Anyway, you know, or you know, I know they've reconstructed real medieval sword fighting techniques from like scrolls they found or whatever. Which sounds a little that's that's some Indiana Jones archaeology shit, but like yeah. um, there's a <laughs> lot of cool stuff you can do in this game and they, and they and I also like uh, you can pick uh, male and female right uh, characters for I think every, every certain characters in the game are set in gender because they are characters in the story right but other characters you can pick whatever and it's uh, it makes no difference except basically the voice and I think the knight I picked that was a woman had uh, like a little braided ponytail yep. coming out the back, and that was it. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. I mean, I was already interested, but now I'm, now I'm in. Okay, my first up is Titanfall 2. I played the original Titanfall probably less than a month. I mm. loved it the first, like, three or four days that I played it. Um, and then my enjoyment of it just gradually started to diminish <laughs> until I felt like I played the last two weeks just because I knew somebody who was working mm. on the game. And I was like, maybe I need to like plumb the depths of this to understand it. And no, it just I just felt like the mechanics just and the way it was balanced, I just lost interest in it in a very short period of time. Obviously, the first one didn't have a campaign. Um, so cue Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2... I feel like, one, the campaign looks awesome. Um, I like how it's going to build some lore around these things. Because all we really got before was like this weird like little setup and some light voice acting during missions and during kind of your training mm-hmm. to kind of set the stage. Um, but I like the fact that the campaign in Titanfall 2 is still doing callbacks to that limited sort of narrative that we got in the first one. There's some characters in there. There's some hidden information in, uh, like, even in that debut teaser that related back to the first game. So it looks like, you know, the lore that they established is as is, is limited as it was in the first game. is still being utilized going further into the franchise. But I think most importantly, what I really love about Titanfall 2 is 
how they didn't just rest on their laurels. Because, you know, they were kind of the pioneers of this new age of traversal and first-person shooters with the wall running and the ability to jump like crazy and just, you know, quite honestly, the mech combat. But the new, like, grapple hook stuff that they've given you, the new traversal mechanics that they've given you, the way you can combine it all together, um, some of the power-ups that they've shown, like ones that will freeze enemies and kind of freeze them to walls. Um, I was just really, really impressed with both the campaign and the multiplayer. And before E3, I seriously, my interest in the game was pretty low. Mm -hmm. um, because I kind of played the first one, and I was like, if I just get more of what I got in the first with a campaign is kind of corny, because that's kind of what I guess would happen if we get a corny campaign. Um, I should have known better, though, knowing the people working at Respawn, mm -hmm. that they crafted some of the best ever Call of Duty campaigns. Um, so, yeah, Titanfall 2, for me, went way, way up on my hype meter mm -hmm. thanks to its E3 showing. I think, for me, the grappling hook really put that one over the top. Like, just that one multiplayer trailer, which I think they should have shown... Instead of the single player I agree, trailer, yeah. uh, like instantly you just see the possibilities falling into line as you think about how it's going to change the multiplayer. Yeah. Okay. And your second up is my second up is uh, Gears of War Four. I agree with that one. I didn't expect to be uh, an up, but I saw the um, you know clearly the demo they showed was better at the press conference. Oh yeah. And then the demo they showed in um, Behind Closed Doors was um, a different part of the campaign. Really, like, uh, had a little more character to who you're playing as. You get to see, um, showed a lot more about who these, what these things you're fighting are, and what they might. It looks like they might be some kind of resurrection of the locust, and you know, there's. You're starting to see some tie-ins. You're starting to see how they're piecing it together. But it looks like the campaign might also be kind of a mystery. Yeah. Um, and so, like, after I watched that demo, I felt like I wanted to know more. And that's the first time I've wanted to know more about a Gears of War story in a very long time. Since probably Gears 2. So, yeah, yeah. frankly. And, uh, the other, and the other thing that helped, and this is just a presentational thing, the TV they did that demo on was amazing. <laughs> like, I know there's a tech it nerd a thing, yeah. but like, it was a 95-inch Ultra HD 4K television. It's a $40,000 TV. Woo! And it was Holy like it was like cow. watching a painting move. It wow! Was in, it was they, I think it was uh, I think it was a Windows version they were playing, but it, the resolution was stunning. Like it was just almost like almost like nothing else on the floor, not quite. Yeah. But <laughs> but it was it looked really good. It, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's happening that like doesn't feel like it's necessarily repetitious. The the wind mechanics are really see cool. that's what I like. I like that they're actually trying something different with yeah. this one. Like, we've never seen anything like that in a Gears game, yeah, where they, like, still have the feels elements, like, yeah. like, playing into, like, the gameplay. Like It's clearly a Gears game, but it's also not just sitting there and being like, here's more. Yeah. Here's more of what you've already done. Yeah. They're it really trying really to switch pretty. it up. I mean, it's one of the best-looking games at the show, and that's an Xbox One game, mind you. Yeah. Probably running at 900p. Hmm. Like, it doesn't matter. It looks amazing. Can't tell from, can't tell from here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know... It, at a certain point, a lot of it just comes down to work. Like, who's, mm. who has the budget and the time to do the work to make the most out of the hardware that they're working on? And obviously, the Coalition has had plenty of time to make this game look absolutely sick. And uh, it has succeeded. Um, I agree with you. My gears went way, way up for me based upon its E3 showing. Mm. So I'm definitely with you on that one. Um, my second one up is another first-person shooter, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Um, 
you know, I haven't really played Call of Duty, the last couple entries, all that much. Even, sadly, like Black Ops 3, I hardly played it all online. And I think I played Black Ops 2 online for, like, six or eight months. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I played it that long. But first Ghost was, like, mm-hmm. then it was Advanced Warfare. That one I actually did play a good bit. I probably played that one, like... Two or three months after it came out, I was still playing it because the traversal was so brand new and so over the top. But with Black Ops 3, like, I felt like it took a step back. Mm-hmm. And the series was kind of on this upward trajectory. They had finally kind of turned the script on it and uh, done something new with it. And then Black Ops 3, I felt like, was a step back. And I, know, I understand Black Ops 3 sold better than Advanced Warfare. That doesn't mean I enjoyed it more. I had problems getting through the whole campaign in Black Ops 3. Uh, I just kinda, it just kind of turned into noise for me. Um, and there, to be honest, there just wasn't a lot of interesting elements in it. It was just kind of the same thing, like, over and over, but with a new setting and a new plot. This demo they showed of Infinite Warfare at E3 is incredible. Mm-hmm. It goes from you out in space fighting in zero-G, getting inside, fighting in zero-G, having, like, a zero-G grenade... That makes everybody, like, lose their, their grip on the ground. And then you get in a ship, and you go out in space, and you start star fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, this was a Call of Duty game that we, we didn't realize it was Call of Duty at first. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Like, we were like, what is this game? I mean, at first I was like, oh, yeah, those look like the, sh- the star sh- fighters from... But it, it was so... Like, once you got they got out into space, so, like it was like, oh, this seems a little more involved than a Call of Duty would, would be. Yeah. With this. But it looks like there's a lot to... I, I did not expect to ever have a Call of Duty on my radar again. Yeah, I and mean... here I, it is. Yeah, it was... Uh, I was really blown away by it. Mm-hmm. And kudos to Infinity Ward. I mean, yeah. they've been taking a beating over the last couple of years over Ghosts. And I mean, I, I was the one digging out or dishing out some of the pummeling. So, mm-hmm. you it know... Looks, looks like they took it to heart. And yeah, apparently. Like, it's like, let's come back and blow them all off the map. I mean, the game looks sick, too. The yeah. graphics in this game, man. I mean, it's the best-looking Call of Duty ever by a pretty wide margin. Like, this was one of the games on the hot list for me for, like, best graphics of E3. Mm-hmm. Like, it just looks absolutely stunning. And in the work with all the gravity and everything, like, I just feel like it's finally going to switch things up so that the campaign doesn't turn into this grind of, like, go into an area kill out wave after wave of enemies, run to the next checkpoint, watch a cutscene. Mm-hmm. Go to the next area, wipe out wave after wave of enemies, r- rinse and repeat. I feel like there's actually going to be some beats and some peaks and valleys to this game, and I feel like I haven't got that from the series for a while. So that game skyrocketed up my hype meter uh, thanks to its showing at E3 2016. Now it's time to get to the two down. Mm. Games that... We may have been excited for it before the show, but after they, they were shown, we were less enthusiastic about them. Matt, what's your first pick? The first one is probably not surprising, but Final Fantasy XV. Which, um, <laughs> look, I wasn't like super enthusiastic about this game to begin with, but this game's, every time they showed it at, this, at these press conferences at E3 this year... It was just a disaster. This demo in particular at the Microsoft yeah, press conference. I don't conference. know what this is. I don't know what he's trying to do. I don't know what was going wrong. All I know is that... If like, just at look least, at it. It looks so yeah. janky. At least half the footage of this character, this E3, was him getting his ass beat. 
And I don't think that was intentional. I think this wasn't working. There was no setup for this demo either. Yeah, I don't no, know what they're doing, why they're here, who he yeah, is. There was no them. establishing shot of the enemy to say, okay, here's this gigantic guy. Like, it just starts, and, like, you're looking up at, like, this big fist. And you're mm-hmm. just like, what the? Like, <laughs> and then the, this the, was the Final Kingsley Fantasy XV's last chance yeah. to make a great impression on people. And I came away wondering if I even want to play it, like... Mm-hmm. And then the, the stuff in the Sony conference with the weird VR first-person revolver I played, game, Kingsglaive stuff. And like, I just, I don't know where this game is, what it's, I don't know what this whole Final Fantasy XV situation is, what it's doing, where it came from, why it took them 11 years. Just get it out, get it over with, and get Kingdom Hearts 3 out here. I honestly think they need to delay it again. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't think this is going to get any better. They're never like, going to delay it, but it like, needs just to be take delayed, the hit. I think. Just take the hit. It's such a huge hit, Matt. Eleven years of investment. Well, another another year is not going to do anything any good, I don't think. I think this ship has sailed. It may have, but man, I'm right there with you on this game. I was really, really disappointed. And honestly, I cannot remember too many times that I've seen this game where I was really all that impressed with it. Like No. But it was a kind of hope that like at least it would have Oh, God, that pre-order thing is hilarious looking at this. It's like, hey, don't forget to buy this. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> um, this awful thing you're watching right now. <laughs> you know you want it. I mean, I was hoping it would be maybe a different take. It would be, you know, there would be something, like, cool in the story or, like, some way to, to you know, kind of involve me after, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the Final Fantasy XIII kind of universe yeah, all that much, and I was hoping it would be something a little, a little different. A little the in- sci-fi universe, basically. And, like, it's not... What a, a go, but Pokemon, I choose you. I don't know what the hell they're doing now. Like, they're throwing little balls. None of it makes any sense. And then there's a quick time event. How many games have quick time events anymore that aren't, like, adventure games? I don't know. Even Gears of War, or God of War, didn't really have any quick time events. Yeah, they, and that was, like, the progenitor of yeah, the quick time events. They're, the they're the ones that picked the torch up from Shenmue. And yeah, we're yeah. Just like, RE4 it's like, was squeezed we'll in the middle there. We'll take this. Yeah. RE4 was squeezed in the yeah. middle there with quick time events. But those were cool. Like, some of, like, the knife fight in RE4 yeah, was, like, like that awesome. Kept you on your, kept you on your toes. Yeah. There were moments in cut scenes. Like, no, don't sit back. It's in a cut yeah. scene. <laughs> press A, press A. Yeah, I agree with you. This game was, like, would have been number three for me on the this mm. list. So I'm glad I didn't actually pick it because it makes the conversation more interesting now that we have different picks. This one might rankle you a little bit. So my mm. first down is For Honor. <laughs> one of your ups. Someone didn't like the longsword. Yeah. <laughs> but it does kind of show you how perspectives are different, you know, and yeah. how everyone kind of has the, there are certain things that they look for. I thought this game was something unique. And maybe it still will be. It's hard to judge it just based upon like a 10-minute E3 demo or whatever. But when they finally showed like the campaign, like it looked just like a Dynasty Warriors game to me. Albeit like a Dynasty Warriors game with the best production values you've ever seen in a Mm -hmm. Dynasty Warriors game. But the gameplay to me just looked like Dynasty Warriors. Just these hordes and hordes of people and lots of hacking and slashing. And I felt like, it, because of that, what I really liked about the game when I saw it at E3 last year and the multiplayer was the one-on-one confrontations and how, like, deadly they felt and how important they felt and how final they felt. And what, once they show this and there's, like, a hundred people on screen, it kind of loses that intimacy that really snagged me with this game before. Like, I felt like it was like almost like a... Did you play it? 
Yeah. This year? Like, yeah. You played it this year? Yeah. Like, see, I thought, I think they have a lot of the good one-on-one stuff where you run it kind of lieutenants or whatever as you yeah, go through. Yeah, yeah. But so again, you, that's like Dynasty Warriors. Somewhat, but like, the combat in this is much more involved. Like, you're, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. You can't just mash a button and win no. fights in this. And like the once you fight like the boss at the end of the demo, they show they fight yeah. the, the samurai guy with a nine foot sword. Like that fight, I thought was like a really good test of all the ideas they'd thrown at you over the course of of the demo. Um, I really dug it. Like, and I was worried it was going to be like just you know, okay, great Dynasty Warriors, but with like more accurate fighting styles. You yeah. know, like no one needs that. And I think uh, I was worried about that, and like there is some of that to it when you when you every once in a while they yeah, make I mean, you're you seeing it right now. It's just yeah, every like... once in a while you have to hack your way through a big field full of like cannon fodder, but like there's a I thought that was a really good build to the two levels I played, and it was surprisingly after like you get in these big fights with like this dude, like you get in these big fights with these stronger guys, and like after that to me. Running into another area and just like one handing like three little soldier guys out of the way was really satisfying and it was like, yeah, don't fuck with me. I just killed I just killed your boss's boss. Like it, there but was- I, I mean, I found the game pretty easy too. Like the the AI of the enemies, it didn't seem it seemed almost like non-existent. Like they weren't like using the same abilities that I had to like block and parry. They're just like they just stand there and just attack every five seconds and they don't really like try to evade your attacks or. I don't know, man. It felt just like a Musou game to me. Just, mm, I just, I can't towards agree with the guys. Like the end boss fight was a little more involved, but even like the lieutenants, like I just whacked like right through them. Like, well, I think, I think they're, I think the game's running on easy for the demo. Yeah, the demo. which makes sense. But um, no, I mean, again, this one, one of those things I'm gonna have to judge when I actually play the whole game. But this was one of my big shows from last year's yeah. E3. I mean, I was on board with this game, and I st- it's not like I hate it now or anything. Right. But, like, I really liked it at last year's E3, and after playing it, the single player at this year's E3, I was like, yeah, I might just end up sticking to multiplayer mostly whenever I get this game. Well, it, fe- it feels really good to me, and I, uh, you know, I'll reserve judgment on whether or not the campaign is Dynasty Warrior Z until we, you know, get to play all of it, because we only get to play two levels. And the other, you know, this, this Viking raid on the Samurai Fortress is apparently like a mid-game level. It's later in the game. So I'm inter- you know, so they still haven't talked about like how all these three groups of guys end up fighting each other in the same world or whatever and all. Yeah, you know. so I'm I'm just kind of hoping this this thing hangs together as a campaign and and has a good build to it, and you're not doing the same thing over and over again as these hack and slash games can sometimes be. Yep, and that's my fear. It gets repetitive. Yeah, um, we'll see. But again, it's a 10 minute demo. There's, I'm guessing, a 15 to 20 hour game waiting for us to play when it finally comes out. Mm. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, just for me personally, maybe my hype level was too high for it. Maybe that's the problem that uh, inevitably I was going to be disappointed when I finally yeah. got my hands on it. I mean, I, I mean, I went into it with the feeling of like, oh, I hope I don't hate this kind yeah. of thing. So, may, so I, yeah, maybe we're coming at it from perspective's totally a angles. big thing, man, for sure. But yeah. that's why we do this topic. Mm. That's why it's fun. Okay, what's your next downer? My next downer uh, happened real fast, and it's uh, God of War. I am really shocked. When you sent um, me this, I was like, "What?" Because here's the here's the main thing to happen. It's like I I'm like, interested to hear your perspective. I like the uh, this shift to the kind of the Tomb Raider format that we yeah. talked about before. 
Um, but when I found out that the kid is like an integral part of the game, he's along overall, for the whole game. Yeah, like yeah. I was expecting when I saw that demo, I was like, oh, the kid's gonna get killed by something, and Kratos is gonna go like full Kratos because he lost his family again, and here we go. But no, it sounds like it's basically the God of War of us. Yeah. Um, with the with the kid. And, Except it's or, an action or as, RPG. Or as someone said on, um, someone said on uh, Twitter, uh, God of War helicopter parent. <laughs> which I thought was very funny. Yeah. Um, so I'm still excited for this game, but like I was a little disappointed when I found out more about it. And that was I, I. I was hoping it would be a little more. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't care about the father son thing so much. As much as I enjoyed this the scene where he like helps the kid kill the, the elk, and I was like, wow, look at that. Look at that quiet moment from a God of War game. Where the hell did that come well, from? Well, there's also the moment where he's, try, he's struggling to try to figure out whether to, like, pat his son on the right. back, and he stops. Right. Like, and maybe I'll be totally wrong, and this relationship between them will be the best video game character relationship done since, you know, Joel and Ellie, and I'm completely off in left field here. But... That, for whatever reason, drained a little bit of my enthusiasm to know that I'm going to have to babysit this damn kid. I mean, at least the, at least the kid could put on, like, the gray makeup or something. Yeah. Like, let's, let's, make, let's, let's get some unity going here, son. See, I completely disagree. Like, I, if this game had just been another God of War game, I don't even know if I'd have cared about it. No matter mm-hmm. how Well, I don't it want looked. it to be just another God of War game, but I just I don't like the, 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 the dual character thing. I'm totally fine with that, because it's going to actually make you care about Kratos for the first time ever. Like... <laughs> I've never cared about Kratos ever because he's just a scumbag. It's like well, now, he's, now he's voiced by Teal'c from Stargate. So yeah, I mean he's just like this loudmouth guy who's going to be even better performance. Like to actually give him like some layers of depth. Like I'm excited about the idea of him trying to become human because he's immortal. And so like I, I read one interview or watched one interview with Corey Barlog and he's like. You know, Kratos is immortal. He'll never die. He doesn't really explain how he actually, like, aged and, like, all that. Because he does look mm-hmm. older in this. But, and he's like... Presumably we'll find out how he got away from the end of God of War 3 as well. Right. Well, he also says that, like, you know, this is set after God of War 3, but it isn't, like, one month later. Right. He's this like, it could be, years. like, hundreds of years right. later because he's immortal. And so it's, like, him... I think it could be great, man. I think you could really dive deep into, like, him trying to become human even though he's immortal. Because mm-hmm. you've got to figure if you're immortal, your perspective on everything is, like, so screwed up. And, you know, just not even just the story and the setting. Like, I'm fine with, like, protecting the sun the whole time. I'm okay with that. As long as the AI isn't janky and you don't get the weird stuff that happened with, like, The Last of Us where the enemies don't recognize the, the child and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But more importantly... Just the whole structure of the game, being an open world, semi-action RPG, where you're actually like leveling things up and in- improving as the game goes on, other than just getting like new weapons, like it needed this. I think it needed. Oh, I agree. I just don't like the kid dynamic. Yeah, it just it needed everything that's shown off in this demo. This mm-hmm. game needed it. It needed more heart. It needed me to care about what was going on in the game, other than just hoping to see it to disembowel some crazy creature, like. You know, I just feel like they are on the exact right track for this game. I am really excited for it. And, you know, we kind of knew that they were going to show it. At least the rumors were swirling around they were going to show it at E3. And I honestly was not excited to see it at all. And uh, and I just love how they debut it. They like, show the little kid fiddling around in the dirt. And you're like, oh, what's this? Is this like a 
the sequel to the last guardian before the <laughs> before the last guardian comes out and then kratos steps into the light and you're just like whoa he's got a crazy beard and he looks old and like and apparently that's the only part of him that grows hair anymore yeah yeah <laughs> you're right. um, unless he's spending most of his days not hunting uh shaving the rest of himself right exactly so i don't know i'm really excited for this i like this segment though that like both of us have like kind of conflicting opinions mm. on different ends of the spectrum i'm certainly not saying i'm going to like not play it because yeah, yeah. of it i'm just like i i you know i both in the sense that i don't really care about the relationship with a kid for the most part it's a hard sell for me in any fictional medium yeah and the fact that last of us did it so well that i'm kind of i know i'm going to be constantly comparing it to that game and i wonder if it's going to hold up well this isn't a stealth game which i'm a-okay well, no, with. that's way, yeah, much, that's much preferred, for yeah. sure. Just look at the face right there on that troll. Mm-hmm. Unreal, man. Really good work there. Uh, okay. The damn kid shoots you in the shoulder, and it's yeah. just like, a guy. <laughs> I mean, that's part yeah. of it, right? Is that you're, like, trying to teach your kid to become a warrior, like. Yeah. I like the, everything about No, it, kid, man. press A, press yeah. A. <laughs> I guess it's a PlayStation controller, so it's press square, press yeah, square. Yeah. Okay, so my second game that uh, I've lost a little bit of love for after its E3 showing is Watch Dogs 2. Hmm. And maybe I, didn't, I, should... I didn't know you had any love for yeah, that. I, I, yeah, in hindsight, <laughs> maybe. Maybe I didn't have as much hype for it as I really thought at the beginning. But honestly, like after seeing this game at E3, I really have very little interest in playing it. Like, I love San Francisco. I lived there for five years. The representation of it in this game is actually just like mind-boggling. Like it looks so yeah. freaking. I mean, that one that shot, one shot right of, there. Yeah, the shot of California Street is it insane. is like photorealistic. Yeah. Like it is really crazy. And like all these little shots of SF, it's like yeah, that's what it was yeah, like to that's live San there. That's the hate. Yeah, right I mean, there, there's a know? dude with yeah. the shopping cart like that smells. You can smell him fifty feet away. Like. They nail San Francisco, but it's just like, I don't like the tone. I mentioned this before when we saw the debut trailer. I don't like this whole, like, Leet Haxor, like, mm-hmm. aesthetic that it's got going on. <laughs> I, I still like it better than the drab and dull, right. like, first game. Right. But I still just think it's kind of corny and far-fetched. It's like, these I'm... people are supposed to be hackers, but they go out in public with, like, the name of their hacking group <laughs> on their clothes. It's like, hello? Like, I just feel like... They've Very gone. Assassin's Creed in that regard. It's, it's an like over... Everybody's got... The secret Assassin cult has a, has a uniform. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's just... I feel like it's a complete overcorrection from mm. the first Watch Dogs, which was way too Could boring be. and dull. This one, on the other hand, it just seems completely, like, over the top and, like, wacky. Like... Yeah, I don't know what to make it. I mean, I'm wondering, you know, you can't always judge these things by how they decide to present them marketing-wise. Right. Um it did not demo well. No. At all. I don't think it was ever. boring. Like nobody yeah. even clapped when the demo was done at their press conference. It was just like crickets. Like And some of those people are paid to clap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it was crickets here with you and I too. We were just like, Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Like yeah, watchdogs. There was just nothing exciting or unique Hope about you like it. Drones. Yeah, like Hope you can't see drones. Dude, I mean there was a peripheral couple vision problems. Kinda cool gadgets that they showed off, like those little like two wheeled like drones yeah. that roll on the ground, like would like shock people, but like I- I feel like if if I was in the situation where I'm playing the game and I've put points into the character and kind of developed him and I have sort of like, you know, I kind of have a context for how the mission has been developing, like, I'd be more interested. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think that game... That game is so much about sort of like infiltration and and observation and then sort of like... It's not really a 
oh, like everything goes crazy and it's super action packed. Uh, you're not going to have the motorcycle chase from Uncharted Four in this thing. Yeah. You know? And so I feel like it just that's it's not a very interesting demo in the context of like an E3 press conference. I still think I'll probably play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll definitely play it. But like, it's going to be one of the biggest games but, of Q4. But you ain't wrong on any of it. I mean, yeah, it's it's. They did, they did they did the game no favors. Like I I, I will be interested in playing it, uh, pretty much just because I still think the concept of that series has a lot of potential. And I'm sort of and the first one didn't realize it, and I'm hoping this one does, but I'm keeping the expectations in check. I'll be interested to see the sales of this game as well. Like yeah, regardless the first of one how sold it really reviews, well, right? It sold through the roof. But I also feel like a lot of people who bought the first one probably feel a little bit burned. They probably learned, yeah. And so. You know, after that showing at E3, which is when most people will check out video games for once, one mm-hmm. time out of the year, they're like, watch dogs, oh, I'll mm-hmm. watch that. Or like, even if they, they decide, you know, if they're more casual and they don't follow E3, but, you know, they start to see commercials for watch dogs and they tap watch dogs into YouTube, they're probably going to get the E3 demo. Yeah. And, uh... For the next six months. Right. <laughs> and good luck. Yeah. I don't know. So that's my second down. It's time. For our best of E3 2016 awards. So we have probably a dozen, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we're both going to just pick one game for each category. We might mention like our honorable mentions kind of off the cuff, but we're not going to go in-depth about them. We might talk too much. Yeah. Really? <laughs> we never do that. Um, so we want to keep it tight. Uh, only if we feel really strongly or we had like a real intense internal struggle trying to decide between two games will we actually go into the details on our runners-up. Uh, so the first category for our Best of E3 Awards mm-hmm. 2016, Best Debut. Matt, what was your pick for the game that was shown off for the first time at E3 2016? Insomniac's Spider-Man game. There you go. Um, I mean, we talked about how we you kind of speculated that Sucker Punch might be making this. Yeah. But if Sucker Punch isn't making it, Insomniac should make it. And I talked to a couple of the guys who are working on it at Pactor's party, and they're yeah, we talked to them for quite a while. Super excited about it. They're super happy they can finally tell people about it. Yeah, and it's their own take on it. it has nothing to do with the movies. They are not beholden to the movies or the release dates of anything. They they have the time and they have the freedom to make it what they want it to be and make it right. And I think that, I think they're just going to nail it. I think the pedigree is certainly there. I mean, you look at. The games that they've made, they've made Ratchet and Clank, which is just straight mm-hmm. up platformers with some, some shooting action, and then Sunset Overdrive, which yeah. if you kind of like meld those two games together, right in the middle there's kind of Spider-Man, yeah, isn't it? you can see it. Yeah. You can definitely see it. Also, this whole trailer is in-engine real-time gameplay, mm-hmm. just cut together. This isn't a CG thing where they orchestrated the whole th- thing and choreographed all the fights. Like, this is all mm-hmm. in-engine. This is what the game actually looks like. This is the type of stuff that Spider-Man is actually going to be doing in the game. So, some pretty impressive stuff. Yep. And you're a big comic guy. Mm-hmm. and probably add a little incentive on top for you. Oh, yeah. I always like to see a good superhero game, um, especially since the only good superhero games for a while were the Batman Arkham games. Yeah. Um, but Spider-Man is a harder one to get right because he moves in so many different directions. You know, we've had a few good ones. We've had, yep. uh, you know, a lot of people love the the trend. You know, the traversal in Spider-Man Two, which is kind of the gold standard of web slinging. Uh, the rest of that game was terrible, yeah. but like the actual web swinging was great. And then I think the best Spider-Man game ever made was Web of Shadows. Yeah. Uh, by uh, Shaba Games. I think a lot of people argue it's Spider-Man Two, but Spider-Man Two was not a good game though. It just had good web slinging. Yeah. 
Web of Shadows simplified the web swinging, but it was still freeform and physics-based enough that you could get kind of the same result out of it, but it was a more interesting game. I love combat. the combat yes. in Web of Shadows. Way better combat. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, a lot of really mid-air good. stuff, a lot, you know, and so... Crazy yeah. stuff you could do in that yeah. game. And the trailer for this looks like they're going like that times ten. You're right, so, yeah. Ins- and Insomniac can make it feel really good, I think. Yep, so. I agree. I think it's a perfect developer. If it, like you said, if it wasn't Sucker Punch, Insomniac... Mm-hmm. And I bet Sucker Punch is, you know, if they need Sucker Punch's uh, expertise... I'm sure Sucker Punch, they've worked together before. I'm sure they'll be there. It was funny when we mentioned to the guys at Insomniac that we thought Sucker Punch was going to make it. And they kind of <laughs> looked at us like, why? Like, what's wrong with us? Like, aren't we good enough? I was also surprised about some of the stuff they told us about the game. Like, I just didn't. I didn't they didn't even, like, tell us, like, this is off the record. Although, anything that people tell me at Packers Party, like, I never, quite I, I never repeat it. But I, was a, I didn't think Insomniac would want to work on, like, a license yeah. like that. I figured they were so... They were very de- they're very dedicated to their original ideas and new IPs. They're so. big fans of Spider-Man. Yeah. Big clearly. fans. Yeah. I mean, you could just see the passion when they were talking about it. So, yeah. I, I think that's a great pick. Uh, my pick is probably less surprising... Resident Evil 7. Mm-hmm. Um, we had kind of had an inkling that it might be at E3. Um, I don't think anybody thought we would get what we got, though, when we finally saw no. it. One thing we should mention is that the stuff that was shown at E3 and the stuff that's in the demo that you can play right now, by the way, if you're a PlayStation Plus member, you can go download the demo that you're seeing right now, um, is not going to be in the final game. Hmm. In fact... Shades of PT. Yeah, Capcom has said, in fact, that like none of the characters, nothing from this is actually going to be in Resident Evil 7. They said that it, it's a, an example of the tone they're going after mm. with the game. So eat it up while you can. I don't know if they're going to take this down and if it's going to turn into another PT where like you can't yeah, download it again. I would jump on away. this. I would jump on this right now. Yeah, frankly. I would. Yeah, in fact, I wouldn't even wait until like the end of the weekend before downloading this because yeah. who knows? Like it could just go away and it could be like PT and you never get it again. So that's the first thing I would say. But the second thing I would say is, wow, it's in VR. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's a VR game, 100% VR. It could end up being absolutely terrifying. Like, so scary that you may not want to play it scary. Like, this, from what I can tell, this whole elaborate demo was based off the kitchen demo. And I've mentioned the kitchen demo mm-hmm. on the show before, and it was absolutely terrifying. And all that was, was you just sitting in a chair, tied to a chair, in a kitchen with a serial killer, like, stalking back and forth, basically. And you're sitting there like, how are you going to freaking kill me? So, so, for a whole Resident Evil game to be have this setting and have you in the world, I don't know if I can think of anything scarier. And to see what the world is and the tone that they're going for, and it seems to be losing all the camp, all the action elements. The whole game is in first person. They did say that. Mm. Resident Evil 7 is a first person game. Um, Just the whole thing of not seeing your character is really crazy, man. For a property and an IP that's as established as this, to not show Leon or whoever on screen. I mean, is there what even going to be Chris Redfield? Yeah, I mean, is there even going to be like stars in like yeah. in Chris, this? Like Chris is our old partner, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just Resident Evil without the camp is a really strange concept. It is a strange concept. Um, and even when they've gotten you know pretty pretty serious about you know Resident Evil Four was probably like the closest they got to, to dropping. Like the, the ridiculous yeah. B movie, but it still had yeah, a lot moments. of stuff to yeah. it, like that, you know. And, and Leon was still kind of a doof, but yeah. But uh, I'm really excited for this game. 
Um, more excited than I thought I would be for Resident Evil 7. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I haven't really, cared about a Resident Evil game for a very long time. I mean, probably they should have been one of my two up, to be honest with you, because after the last couple games, which I still enjoyed them, I just never expected it to, because they had said the last two games was going to be something like this, mm-hmm. where it went back to more of the stark horror and less action, but it looks like finally yeah. they're actually living up to their word here, and I'm pretty excited for it. So mm-hmm. that's my pick for best debut. Next category... Best graphics, a category that we both agree on. There aren't many of these. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say it together? Sure. God, God of, of War. War. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not even. A, it's not a contest. There is really no debate there. Yeah. God of War was the best looking game at E3 2016 on any platform. Mm-hmm. There's moments in that demo, like when he's fighting the the troll thing, where you're just like, I can't believe this is real time. I know. Like, this is it really in front blows of us. my mind, man. It's crazy. Think back to like the N64 and PlayStation era and, and to see something mm-hmm. like this. I mean, it's like it's like a CG movie almost. Yeah. It is really unreal. And the crazy part of these really start like paying attention to some of the details. Like I don't know if you got to see the behind closed door uh, demo of this, but like every time you hack an enemy, it leaves it a leaves permanent a yeah. gash in the mm-hmm. enemy. Like, you know, gore is always, detailed gore has always been kind of a thing that God of War did. And, you know, the last game, like, it had a little disembowels and the actual intestines would, like, fall out of the enemies or whatever. This game takes it up to, like, six, man. Mm-hmm. I, they, they made a point. They'd, like, slash once, they'd be like, look at the enemy. And you'd look, and exactly where you slashed him, there was, like, a huge gash, like, bleeding, like... The detail, the first shape, just everything about it. The lighting, the particles, the the animation and the face. Look at the animation in Troll's face, man. Like, you don't even, you can't even see it happen. Look at mm-hmm. his face when he hits the ground and it, like... Well, look, like, look at the deformation on the skin where he's grabbing yeah, it. Yeah, like, I know. It's, it's in, like, detail you would never notice, and but, it, but your brain did. Yeah, and here's the thing. So this is, like, an open-world-like game. This isn't, like, a section-by-section section God of War game. And so... If this is the type of detail that they're going to have in an open-world game that isn't as controlled as, say, like an Uncharted 4, I mean, there you see the blood all over it. Like, it, man, it, it's stunning. Stunning. And, uh, yeah, well-deserving of best graphics of uh, E3 2016. This isn't fake. This isn't a pre-rendered CG sequence, this is the game. Like, mm-hmm. I saw it play with my own eyes and watched the developers mess around with it. In all honesty, like, flaunting the game's visuals. So, I mean, just see all the particles drifting down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's gorgeous. Um, this game might be worth playing just for the visuals. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like, you got, it looks you gotta, good. You gotta wonder what Neo mode's gonna look like on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think it's gonna be like... Uh, Skyrim or anything, where it's just like go anywhere, blah blah blah. No. I think it's going to be more like a Tomb Raider, right? Where you so. have like a lot of leeway. But in I'm just saying, on, on the Neo, you'll probably have this at 60 frames. Oh yeah, for and sure. They, I think they did say it was thir- running at 30 frames for yeah. E3. Even just the detail on his weapons, like seeing Kratos in that fidelity, is pretty <laughs> freaking mind blowing, man. And also that big. We're not used to seeing that character that close up. That yeah. you know, usually he, it's kind of a you know. An aerial camera for most of those yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, an and... isometric camera almost. But in the animation of, like, the elk and it's just everything about it. It just looks absolutely amazing. So that elk dies pretty easy. Mm. <laughs> I think one little arrow is going to make an elk topple like that. But uh, regardless of what you think about the gameplay and the changes to it, I don't think there's any denying it's just one no, absolutely e- gorgeous it's, game. It's easily. 
God, Gears of War 4 is also really good looking, but it's just... Didn't didn't hit me like that one did. Oh, this game technically destroys yeah. Gears of War four, but both games look great. You're splitting hairs at this point when you're talking about games like that. Pretty much. All right, let's move on to our next one. Best first person shooter, Matt. What's your pick? I'm gonna pick Titanfall two. There you go. Um, I mean, Infinite Warfare definitely has my attention now because of the the theme and the variety that we're seeing in the you know. But I, I kind of remain to. I'm a little skeptical in the sense of like, you know, I expect things like that in a Call of Duty game to be very scripted, very on rails. So we'll see. You know, I might, I might be wrong, I might be totally wrong, but I, I, you know, I don't know yet. Uh, Titanfall 2, that multiplayer trailer, you see all the different things you can do. Yeah. You see the grappling hook. You see the jetpack stuff. You see how that all works together, and you're like, man, this this game has so much potential in how it's all going to come together in a giant, crazy multiplayer match. And the fact is the campaign is great because I want to know more about that world. Yeah. So, yeah, Titanfall 2 has got to take the top slot for the first-person shooters for me. Yep, my pick is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Eh. My favorite first-person shooter of E3 2016. Game looks stunning. Um, I know the multiplayer is going to be good. I mean, even in Ghosts, I enjoyed the multiplayer, even though I thought the campaign was completely throwaway. Mm-hmm. I hope you can dogfight. Yeah, I mean, I don't... I would be surprised if they let you dogfight in multiplayer. So would I, but I'd be happy. But you never know. I mean, this game already flipped the script so much from what yeah. you thought of a Call of Duty game. Maybe they are going there. Hell, like, if you go through the trouble to make all that happen, like, yeah. I would show it off. Do it. Yeah. I mean, Even if it's just as simple as, like, Fighter Squadron and Battlefront. Like, let yeah. people do it. The, I've, I would, I've never seen a Call of Duty map that big, though. To yeah. facilitate something like that, like well, you would I mean, I mean, I, would, I don't mean like you can get in the plane and take off, and while people shoot on the ground, you can fly around and fly. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, there's a maybe a mode where you can just dogfight each other. Oh, gotcha. Separate from like, yeah, totally separate shooting. from the normal multiplayer. It'd just be like a separate fun. That game. sounds like a great idea. And here's the other thing about Call of Duty games is like they are the type of games that would throw something like that in. Yeah, because those yeah. games are just those discs are packed to the gills with content. Like especially like the Treyarch games where they have like these little arcade games yeah, you can like play. The, and the zombie thing is almost its own game all by itself. They've already said there is zombies in this as well. Zombies in zombies space. In space. <laughs> But the game looks amazing. Like, I don't know this engine. I don't know if Infinity War built a brand new engine for this game, but mm-hmm. man, does it look amazing. Um, the campaign looks great. Multiplayer is still the X Factor, yeah. obviously. Um, I, but I, if, I would also consider playing this in VR. I'm oh, yeah. Saying. But imagine, like, zero-G multiplayer. Yeah. If they had some maps, like, in space, where, like, you have to navigate and use, like, a grapple or whatever to, like, because there's grappling in this mm-hmm. as well, just like with Titanfall. Imagine if that becomes part of the gameplay mechanic in multiplayer, where you're actually grappling around like zero G like environments or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, from what is shown, I love it. From what could be, I love it. Knowing that the multiplayer is going to be great, as it always is. Uh, Infinite Warfare is my pick for best first-person shooter of E3 2016. All right, let's move on. Best indie game, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pick for best indie game would have to be Abzu. Abzu. By, uh, now, were you a fan of Journey? I was. Okay. And uh, obviously Giant Squid has a couple of key Journey people working on this. They've got the, uh, I believe it's the art director from Journey uh, as the creative director on Abzu. And they've got the same composer as Journey, which I'm happy about because Journey had great music. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, 
I, I'm, I'm a big Echo the Dolphin fan. There's a lot of Echo in this game. The it's, not ha- it's not as hard. I guess, yeah. I mean, Echo will kick your ass from here to the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, yeah. But th- so this one's more of an experience. It's not, you know, there's... It, yeah, it's I don't know if there's even really a goal in the game. I think it's just ha- kind of just go along and see what happens, right? No, you're supposed to kind of uncover these ruins and sort of like you can, you sort of find these like underwater ruins and uh, you don't really know who the diver is. And, like, you start to see kind of clues that, like, whoever she is, she's part of some kind of, like, ancient civilization. Or there's some drawings that, like, indicate that whoever the civilization had seen people dressed like her. And you, like, start to figure out how to, you know, you can do these things where you, it's like Flower, another That Game Company game. Uh, You find, like, these little pools, you activate them, and it, like, releases new, like, breeds and species of fish into the area. And, like, you can have 10,000 fish in an area. And, like, there's, like, once you, like, activate this one thing in the demo, um, like, you go to this other, like, kind of shadow world place, and you activate the thing, and it just spits fish and all this stuff. And it was this totally barren cavern, and it fills up with, like, bluer water, and just, it fills with 10,000 animals. And like manta rays and schools of fish, and and the bigger fish will eat the other fish. Like there's an ecosystem. And oh if wow! You're, if you're riding on a larger fish and it's hungry, it will ignore you and go eat stuff until it's not hungry anymore. Wow! And I did. I ask, did not get to play this at E3, unfortunately. It was really, it was on the floor. I just didn't mm, have time, unfortunately. I had to prioritize. It felt really good. It felt really very relaxing. Um, and I did ask them about. I'm like, how are you putting ten? See, you can see here, like all those fish on there. They're all moving in real time. They're all moving independently. They're all swimming together, and if you swim near them, they'll all scatter in different ways. Yeah. I'm like, how are you getting 10,000 fish on this thing and not losing performance? Because it, it, the frame rate is rock solid the whole time. Well, because the, the, the environments are pretty barren. No, really. that's not it. That's not it. What, what The way they did it is they, he said, okay, originally we did, like, we had fish, and the way we were doing the fish was the fish have a skeleton, and we texture around that, and the skeleton animates, right? Yeah. So at some point during development, one of their uh, tech guys figured out he could express the fish as mathematical sine waves. And so every fish in this game is a mathematical equation that corresponds to how that species of fish moves and what it wants to do and what its primary goals are. And it just generates that as a graphical representation. representation. They're not <laughs> individual like models with skeletons and bodies and stuff. And Interesting. AI and stuff. They're just equations. And that's, that's very inexpensive, yeah. so they can just throw 10,000 of them in an area, and it doesn't bog the game down. Wow. I, I, and I the, thought that was pretty cool. I like Journey a lot. Yeah. Like, I love the whole atmosphere of it. I like the way you communicate with other players. I love the solitary feeling of it. Um, I love the music. I love the art style. But I didn't love it as much as a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. it, well, I, didn't love, I didn't like Game of the Year love it, I guess is the right. best way to put it. Right. Um, Neither did I. Neither did I. I mean, I, the other, my other... You know, point with Journey was that it was really short. Is mm-hmm. I think I finished it in like an hour and twenty minutes or something like yeah. that. Um, I think this one is like four to five. Yeah, I'm getting the same vibe from this game though. Like hey, you're not wrong. It's, I mean, it feels it feel you can definitely feel that this, many of the same people had their hands on this that were that were involved in making Journey, and I think that's a positive thing. Yeah. And uh, the animation of all all the fish is great, and like kind of the the mystery of like what this is, where you, oh, and the lighting. Like when you go from like like higher up down lower, like yeah. it's just the, the the lighting switch is perfect. It's, yeah. They did a they did a great job. To, they described I mean, you can it, see it in these trailers that we're showing right now. The light coming through the water, yeah. just the way it refracts. And they described it. See there, there you can see kind of the ruins. What like looks like her, and you're kind yeah. of like, oh, what's going on? So that's kind of part of the plot. Um, and they described they described it as the concept was like not scuba diving, but like the dream 
of scuba diving, like uh, what you wish you could do right, as a right. scuba diver. And I think that comes that comes across. Um, so it was really cool. It's a fun little thing. I think it, I think it's a very relaxing game. And it uh, comes out soon. It's like August 2nd, I think. Oh, wow. And so this will be a nice... In the last grueling week before No Man's Sky, this will be my uh, my zen. They needed to release this in the summer, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's perfect timing, August. Okay, my pick for best indie game of E3 2016 is the same game I picked for E3 2015. <laughs> that game is Cuphead. Um, obviously been pretty well publicized that, you know, it used to be basically a boss rush game. Now they've actually added real platforming levels to the game. Um, I played... I don't know, about 20, 30 minutes of it, co-op with someone I didn't know on the mm-hmm. three show floor. We had a blast. Game is hard as balls. <laughs> like, Looks it. I mean, the pl- even the platforming levels, I think, are even more difficult than the boss fights, to be honest with you. like. But the animation in this game is so incredible. Like, everything. Like, when you die, like, you turn into these ghosts that, like, swim, like, up the screen. Up, It's just... I love how they put, like, you know, a lot of times you see footage, and, like, you're looking at this footage right now, like, oh, it looks a little blurry. When you see this on, like, an HDTV, you realize it's all intentional. Like, they mm-hmm. have put these crazy filters over top of the game, and they're not, like, it's not a loop. So it's not right. like you see this line, and if you watch that spot on the TV long enough, you'll see the line again. Like, it just, it's completely random, but it, it's, like, legit. It's, like, I've never seen a game that looks like this. It's definitely one of the most, like, Use or useful or I would say appropriate uses of chromatic aberration yeah. I've ever seen to simulate that sort of aging film look. You've seen Kingdom Hearts kind of tried to do stuff like this, like it had this yeah. black and white levels where they throw no, this a little... Is a, if you showed me footage of this and you told me it was a lost cartoon from like 1933, I would believe you. Oh, totally. I mean, they just nail it. Like, I don't know. It's I hate giving like the same game the same award two years in a row. But to me, this game is so superior to any other indie game that I play there. Like the only other game that I really played, the couple actually that really struck my fancy were Bound. That game kind of struck me the same way that Abzu did for you. Mm-hmm. The art style. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen Bound or not. Yeah, I did. It was uh, kind of expect my girlfriend who has a ballet background to yeah. uh, like that one more than I do. Yeah, yeah, I can but, see that. Uh, I can I can definitely see uh, what you mean there. And then Below, which I'm surprised that you didn't pick. I did play Below, but um, that game it doesn't demo well. Yeah, uh, at it's a big, not the crowded, game loud you show play. floor. It's like, it's, yeah. and I get, I played it, and I did kind of feel like, oh, when I get to finally sit down and dig into this game, like I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Um, but I just like it, it. You know, you did a thing. You wonder, oh, you stepped on the wrong plate, got killed. These respawned back at the boat, which took me like ten minutes to walk to where I was before, and now I don't have my lantern. And it's just yeah. like. Like, as a Dark Souls fan, I think there's a lot to like in there. I, can, yeah. I, can, I see the pedigree for that, but, like, it does not demo well when you're, like, you know, you have to get to an appointment in 15 minutes and you just want to stop by and get a taste of this game, and it's just not really... No, that's a game happening. where you turn off the lights, put on the headphones, yeah. or crank up the surround sound, and just get absorbed into the game. Yeah. And, like, at E3, that's, like, the... The antithesis of that. Yeah. It's like the other side of the spectrum from yeah. that so, setting. I mean, no disrespect whatsoever to Below. I, th- yeah. it really, I think it's going to be good. But it just wasn't the thing. that, And it'll probably also help that I played Abzu in a, in a, like a meeting room yeah, area, yeah. not on the floor. Yeah. And I was surprised they had to Abzu out on the floor, actually. But it was out, I think there was like two kiosks out there. Yeah. It was out in the front, kind of like where you, where you first enter the yeah. West Hall. 
And I was like, it took me a while to figure because they were giving out like cardboard uh, helmets of like the character. Oh, really? Like, from like the, from the character. And at first, I thought it was like a really like abstract Pac-Man head. Yeah, yeah. Like, people were like, <laughs> like, what's the Pac-Man thing? I don't get it. And finally, I, like I figured out, oh, and so it's the Abzu thing. I said, okay. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about like really hard games, comparing the Dark Souls or Demon Souls or Bloodborne or whatever, the one thing about Cuphead that I that's awesome is that like it's really challenging and really hard, but the controls are just like butter. Like mm-hmm. I never felt screwed over by the game, which I cannot say about like the time I spent with Bloodborne. Like I felt times that I died because the camera was screwy or like. It took me a while to learn, like, the reaction time or whatever to, like, how long of a delay there was from pressing a button and whacking, like, the shooting and the platforming in this is just, like, so responsive. Um, you know, there's no excuse other than you suck when you die in Cuphead. And uh, I'm okay with hard games that are like that. That's why I'm okay with, like, games like Ninja Gaiden. Like, if I ever died in Ninja Gaiden, I'm like, I just didn't land my flying swallow, like, or whatever, like... That's how I feel about it. But it was usually the flying swallow. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, that's how I feel about Mm. Cuphead. Like, the controls are just perfect. Well, it has to be. Yeah. For that kind of game. Like, that's that's where it lives or dies. But there's tons of platformers, side-scrolling platformers that don't have that. Super Meat Boy has it. And that's also a really challenging game. But there are hundreds and hundreds of indie platformers where the controls feel mushy and the physics don't feel right as far as, like, when you jump and your character lands, how much does he slide before he's able to like do something else? Like everything just feels great. Uh, that carries through in mm-hmm. the platforming levels as well, not just in the boss fights. Right. So, one of my other runner-ups might have been Bloodstained as well. Yeah, oh, I was shocked by Bloodstained. Yeah, because we saw Looks like so much better than the last stuff they put out for well, it. Ega put out that gameplay like literally the week before E3, and it was nothing. No, it was just the character running through empty environments. And I walk up to the game on the show floor, and it's a full level yeah. with full enemies, like everything, all the procedural stuff going on. I was like, where the hell did this come from? Like, mm-hmm. why did he show that crappy demo last week when he had this he could have shown us? Like, it's really bizarre. Who knows? But yeah, I'd agree. Bloodstain probably should have been one of my one-ups. Like, yeah. Because only because of the footage I saw the week before, I'm like, this game isn't coming out for like five years. After what I saw at E3, I'm like, okay. No, they, they got a foundation there. Yeah, they're, I mean, it's gorgeous. The animation's really nice. amazing. The fighting feels great. I mean, it's Castlevania. Yeah. It's what it is. You're probably not going to get it from Konami, but Iga's going to give it to you with Bloodstained. So, yeah, that's another one. Glad you mentioned that to keep it on people's radar. Uh, next one. Best RPG, and this can be turn-based RPG, action RPG, anything mm-hmm. with role-playing elements. So, Matt, what did you pick? Um... It's a very broad category, but in terms of the stuff I saw that really kind of made me go out of the room with a smile on my face, I would have to pick South Park, the Fractured Butthole. <laughs> now, so you got to pause between butt <laughs> and hole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I laugh every time I hear the title. Yeah, I know. It's one of the, it's, I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of why I picked it in there, just so, <laughs> just so I could say it and you'd, you'd laugh at it. You're not alone, by the way. Like this game has been getting, it's been nominated by pretty mm-hmm. much every website. And I have wa- best. Are, some people are giving it like nominees for best of show. I saw so. some of those. I don't know if I agree with that, but like, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched South Park for a long, long time. I've seen. I have, for whatever reason, accidentally caught the uh, the episode the that, coon the coon and friends because uh, they re they rerun them they rerun over them a lot. Over, yeah. But I've watched South Park regularly for like fifteen years. Really? 
Um, I catch like some, yeah episodes once in a while, but I'm not a South Park like devotee or anything. But I'm I, waiting for I the lo- Donald Trump episode. Oh, it's, it's that's going to be comedy gold. <laughs> but I love I love what they're doing here as a big Marvel movie fan. Like I think the way they're like you know mocking and lampooning it is like spot on. Like the like the the tone is perfect. Yeah. You know the whole like the reason the, the fact that the conflict is entirely about like their their ridiculous like phase three phase plan. Yeah. And all that is great, and people and the different characters, the kids are arguing over who gets to be in a movie versus who gets to be in a Netflix show versus like who gets to be in a movie first because and, the, and then like the whole argument they have all these arguments about, like like doesn't make any sense for Super Craig to not appear before Tupperman and, and it's just like, and, like, and, like none of it you know, it's just as arbitrary as what it is in the actual movies it, it, makes it, it's great. it really just shows like how stupid and petty some of the stuff yeah. is in these movies and uh, definitely so, took Marvel to task mm-hmm. in the in his presentation at E3 and the funny thing is like They've got there are tons of superhero archetypes in this game, and you can pick from a whole bunch of them. They only show three of them in this, but like you can see, like the selection line was like all the way across the screen, basically. And like the way the combat works is, you know, it was it was good in Stick of Truth. I thought I thought that yeah. was a solid turn-based RPG. Yeah. Now you can move the characters around, and pl- placement matters. There's like yeah. I was slightly reminded of kind of the Valkyrie Chronicles yeah. uh, combat system. And you can knock people into each other. You can, I mean, the, like the environment matters. Like they're they're really expanding. It's a lot there. more. It's actually almost kind of straying towards like a strategy RPG. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like got that grid that gives you like yeah. the opportunity to kind of alter your attacks and play off of other characters. And mm-hmm. yeah, a, a pretty big step up from the first game. So I liked it a lot. I thought it was you know the demo and the and the in the in closed doors demo were, was basically the same, but with like a little more detail. But it was very all very funny. Uh, and the combat looks like they're really stepping it up, and they're not afraid to change it up. And it's a very timely subject matter. So yeah, I, I thought it was great. You probably wondered who a couple of the characters were if you haven't watched South Park for a while. I knew most of them. Like I know I know Tim A, and that was actually one of my favorite moments in the Behind Closed Doors demo is that Timmy is Professor X. Oh His really? Equal, he's in no, a suit, and every time he talks to everyone, like in like psychic. He is like perfectly like his diction is flawless, no and he has like way. he has like a minor like Harvard accent. No kind of. way. He's like he's like Eric. I am speaking to you inside your mind now. What? And then and then he just and, he's and he'd just, be like Tim Ack. And, and, and he comes out. And he's like Tim Ack. And, 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 and it's it's really it's very funny. You probably didn't know who uh, PC Principal was, did you? I, I have actually seen that episode oh, okay. again because they rerun the good ones. So yeah, yeah. I did actually catch that one. Okay. Um, I know him. I know I know Tweak. I know uh, I don't know if Craig's a recurring person or whatever. But yeah, like, he is. I, I know most of it. I yeah. know Butters. Um, of course. But like, that's, see, that's that's to give you an indication. The last time I watched the show regularly was before Butters. Was oh wow! On the show. Yeah, I mean, the show's kind of hit or miss now. Yeah. Usually what I would say is, like, if you see something, like, come through, like, your Facebook feed or whatever, something yeah, like, hey, check, check it out. watch that episode. Sort of like SNL. Yeah, pretty <laughs> it's much. Like, just, just, well, wait, just wait until the internet says, hey, they did a good thing. We can't believe it. And well, except so with SNL, you just watch the one sketch. Right, the one skit, right. But usually if, you, if South Park comes through your feed, you should watch the whole episode. Right. That's the difference. But No, uh, yeah, I'm into it. And, again, the superhero content, I think, makes it, like, doubly interesting to me because... Uh, there's a there's a lot of material to mine there. Yeah, for, for sure. satire and parody. Oh yeah. Uh, okay, my pick for best RPG: Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, man, I could just gush about this game for hours. I, I the demo that I saw behind closed doors was just like my. I thought the demo that they showed at the press conference was freaking mind blowing. Like 
the variety of ways that you have to deal with enemies is I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a game with that much of a breadth of ways to dispatch enemies. But here's the thing. So, you know, in a lot of games, like, you figure out a strategy, and you can kind of rinse and repeat that strategy throughout, like, the whole game, like, on that enemy. You discover this enemy, and you're like, okay, this is how I handle this enemy with this particular weapon, and it seems to work great. But with this game, that will never happen, because the enemies, like, adapt. So they showed us one fight where... You fight this enemy, you knock off like a piece of his armor. The enemy picks up the piece of armor and starts holding it in front of him to try to like deflect your attacks. Hmm. Like And this is like an action RPG. Like typically you get like rank and file enemies where you learn how to defeat them and once you do that you're kinda good hmm. to go. Or I you're... think before this E three, my impression of this game was more of like a far cry right. situation. Yeah. But no, that's definitely not the case at all. It's uh there's lots of crafting and things like that. They showed us a lot of the crafting and the gathering, the hunting and gathering mm-hmm. that you have to do. Um, I was just really, really blown away by it, man. I, 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 lo- I loved it last year. I love it even more this year. I love the setting. I love the characters. I love the tension in the game. I love how you, the, the main character that you play as, Al- what is it, Alon? Or I think it's Alon. Alo- Aloy? Aloy. Yeah, that's right. I love how you're kind of put in this weird position of where you're kind of the uh, the middleman between what's going on and the people. Um, I just love everything about this game, man. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's incredible. It's I can't believe Guerrilla Games made it. To be honest with you, I don't know how it managed to uh, go from making kills and which weren't bad games by any stretch of the imagination, but to go from something like that, which was just kind of like a generic sci-fi shooter to something like this is completely unique in both setting and, and in all honesty, like, the way it's played. Like, the one fight that they showed at the E3 press conference where you're, like, tethering the enemies down to keep them from moving. And then you can, like, light them on fire, and then the fire spreads. Like, I'm just loving it, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of actually kind of hitting a point with this game where I'm, I, I kind of don't want to see too much more. You know, where, like, I'm, 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 in, I'm in for it. I, I'm on board. I know I'm going to play it. Like I already pre-ordered the collector's edition. What do you get with the collector's edition? Um, a bunch of a couple of in-game thingies and like some art book stuff. But the, it comes with the main thing comes with a uh, giant statue of her. Of her. And I thought the I'd statue, almost rather want a statue of like one of the enemies though. Sort of. Well, she's like kind of, I think she's kind of standing on one. Like, uh, but like I like her design a lot. I think she's a really cool like protagonist design and. The statue, you know, I'm kind of picky about those statues because a lot of times they look cheap or the, it's just kind of a boring, you know, they're just standing there or whatever. Yeah. But I really, if you look, go look it up, I really like uh, the pose she's in and kind of the, this is sort of an action-y thing going on. So I decided to jump in just because I think I like what, they're doing, what they're doing here is so good. But look, so they're all, look, this is something else that they show for the first time, being able to ride mm-hmm. the creatures and tame the creatures. Like, this, this was actually something that they showed behind closed doors at E3 last year. It was, like, part of the extended demo. They didn't let you ride, but they showed, like, the taming element of, like, the wildlife. I don't know if you call that wildlife or not, but... Close enough. Yeah. But also stunning. I mean, just look at that shot right there. Like, Mm -hmm. man. I can... This game cannot come soon enough for me, Matt. Now I'm, like, to the point where... It comes in the middle of 15 other things, I know. Now I'm at the point where I'm really upset that it was delayed. At first I was like, oh, there's plenty of stuff to play... 
Q4, I'll be good. Mm-hmm. Like now, like no, I want to play I really this game liked immediately. This this yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, do what they need to do to make it what it needs to be and make it good. But I wish, I wish we were getting this this year. So people right now, I'm sure I haven't even looked at the chat, but I'm sure people are like, "What do you mean? No one picked Persona Five. Persona Five was my number two. Persona Five was not playable at the show. Also, yeah, it was like they it they had a lot of like presentation stuff around it, but they didn't. You, there was no kiosks. There they no didn't play it, it either. Like yeah. they would. They, they were giving away hats was main, their main and thing. Ba- like and shoulder bags. bags. Yeah. I actually saw like a brawl for shoulder bags like 83. It's actually in the tour video. Like you can see it at the very beginning. There's like a brawl for like bags. Hmm. Just standing there with my GoPro. I'm like, really? You guys are fighting over plastic bags. But Persona 5 was not playable. And generally that's something that needs to happen for uh, a game to win most categories. Uh, all they were doing at E3 was they would take you into a room and show you a video of the game and then explain stuff as the video played. So um, if it's not playable, the only categories we really give awards for uh, that aren't playable is like best trailer or mm-hmm. best graphics. Well, actually, even best graphics is a little dicey if it's not being You want to make sure that it's happening in real... It, even if you can't play it, you want to see someone move it around and prove that it's not scripted or whatever. Best debut, probably, you could get away with yeah. not being playable. No, but, Spider-Man certainly wasn't playable. Yeah, but for the most part, games need to be playable, and Persona 5 was not. So don't think we're knocking the game, or we don't like it as much mm-hmm. as you, or we're not as hyped for it. Uh, it's just kind of the way the rules work out for our best of E3 awards. So let's move on to... A category we probably have never had before on our Best of no. E3 Awards. First year ever, because the systems just all came out. Best VR game. Mm-hmm. Might have been an easier choice last year. Not so easy this year, There though. was some good stuff out there this year. And stuff I didn't... In, in places I didn't expect. Yeah. Was well, a, everybody had something. Yeah. Like, even Bethesda had Fallout 4 VR, which was some of the best. Wait. It was also, like, Vive, which mm-hmm. helps. Well, there like, were even, like, things where like, I, went to, I would go to appointments for, like, another game, and they'd be like, oh, while you're waiting, would you like to see our VR game? Yes. And like, I'm yes, like, please. sure, let's do it. Yeah. I, play, I played uh, over Rebellion. I played Battlezone, which is based on the, the original Atari tank, you know, game, tank game. Vector-based tank and game. It's, I mean, if you love the tank stuff in Tron, that's what this game is. And it's like, it, you're just going through kind of this, like, futuristic, but maybe computeristic, like, landscape. And you're, you're turning the turret and moving around, like, you're blow, and blowing away these, like, sort of Tron glowing tank things and, like, you know, you have to hit them from the back, and there's less armor, and they start to like kind of bleed like digital blue and yeah. something. I it's really cool. I mean, it's it's a it's kind of a fun little sort of candy game. Did you play you know? it on uh, Oculus or on PlayStation, PlayStation VR? PlayStation VR. And I it's will. It's one s- of the better looking PlayStation VR games. Yeah. But I will say, I will say, after you know spending the week using you know Vive and Oculus and PlayStation VR, like going from like an Oculus or Vive game to a PlayStation VR game. Real obvious that the it's PlayStation VR off, is a yeah. drop off. I mean, just just the resolution of the screen alone. Yeah. Like you can see, it's a lesser quality screen, and it's not bad. Like I'm yeah. not going to say like don't buy a PlayStation VR because because you'll never know if you're not going back and forth. Right. It looks fine. Yeah. But you're getting what you pay for yeah, with these headsets for sure. And sadly, it's going to probably be the most popular. Yeah. So was the Atari 2600. So was the PlayStation One. Yeah. So was the PlayStation Two. Price matters. Yeah, it definitely does. Especially when you're talking about like something that some people may think they're not going to get a ton of use out of. Right. Which with right. VR, and anyone who things owned, are looking up. Though. And anyone who owned a Wii, you know, I can see why you'd be gun shy for the motion control thing. Yeah, for so. sure. 
So what's your pick? My pick for best VR game is Star Trek Bridge Crew. Been getting a lot of buzz um, out of E3. Which is one of the most fun things I have played in years. Wow. And you're, are you a Star Trek fan? I know you're a Star Wars really. fan. Not really. Yeah. Like, I'm not on the level I'm a Star Wars fan. I like Star Trek. There's, you know, I, I like. I walked into the Marriott Hotel on the, on the last day of E3 right behind LeVar Burton and kind of was freaking out a little bit. <laughs> Although I admit... Not so much because of Star Trek, but more because of Reading Rainbow, let's be honest. <laughs> um, but, like, I like the trappings of Star Trek. I've had a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things I do. I like a lot of Star Trek movies. Not the new ones, but I like the classic ones. I like the classic series, okay. I like the next generation in Deep Space Nine very much. And just enough that to sit there on that bridge, even though the bridge is more like the Abrams bridge yeah. in the game... But to sit there on that bridge and you looked at it was the, it was an Oculus and you with the Oculus motion controls which I'd never used before yeah and uh, just you look down at your Star Trek body in the game and you can see your whole body and like as you look around with the headset the body moves with you and your hands are exactly replicated in the game like and so like when you reach down and, and poke were you things, using the touch controllers yes yeah and so you you, were, you reach down and poke things but like. When you look around, and you and you look over, and like you know, I was on helm. You look over, and the guy on tactical is right next to me, and he looks over at me, and he go, and he waves, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, like, that's that. trippy. And I look over at engineering, and the guy who's playing engineering still like fussing with his headset, uh-huh. and he's so that character's hands are like up on his head, like right, like doing right. this. I'm like, oh, he's messing with his headset, <laughs> and um, and I'm looking around. There's like other crew members that are not players around, and like and like the sound is going with the beeps and the boops and the engine thrum, and whenever you turn your head. Like where the beeps are coming from switches in the stereo, oh, setup. Wow. so you can tell which console that beep came from. And the sense of place, like the sense of being in a place, is so strong that I just it, it, if I wasn't already a VR believer in in the terms of like you know if I'd already played VR stuff before and understood like how the powerful it was, yeah. this would have convinced me. Yeah, and like I when you charge up for warp, you have to push the. The, the handle to like go to warp yeah and when I reached over you you know the way you reach over is you move your hand over and when the hand sort of like lashes kind of latches to it you press the trigger button and uh-huh. that engages your, right. your touch your on grip it. Yeah. when I reached over like that my physical hand was surprised I didn't grab a lever really like it was surprised to not get the sensation of feedback. grabbing a metal lever <laughs> and doing that and I'm like this is amazing <laughs> trip like, you out and it was the game the game itself if you really break it down to what you're doing not it's really nothing, that good. Yeah. It's not much. You know, I'm steering the ship. I'm like controlling the speed. I'm locking onto the targets. Yeah. And like the guy, you know, it, like what you're doing is fairly simple. But all three or all four of you, because the captain is more just barking orders. Uh, all four of you have to work together to kind of make it all happen. And it's not that complex, but it's real. It's like rock band. It's like yeah. Uh, it's that feeling. It's, it's just a, like being in a real band right. when everything's working together. When it, it like all kind of comes feeling, together, and, yeah. and you get the, yeah. And it's, as uh, what was it? Um, Tom Chick on quarter to three when he reviewed Rock Band One or Guitar Hero One uh, said that it's the closest thing you'll ever get to having sex with your straight male friends. <laughs> and I'm like, I totally understand what the, I never I would never have thought of it that way, but yeah. I'm like, yeah, I kind of get what you mean there. Yeah. And like this was similar in the like Rock Band where you're like, wow, we just did that. We yeah. did that song. We played that song, man. That was great. Like and like everybody kind of you know that moment where the where the drummer saves you yeah, with, yeah. His, with the star power right, and then right. you save someone else. Like, it's that's that same feeling of, like, we're all working together towards this goal. We're all a little overwhelmed by what's happening, 
but we got it there, and in this case, you are in that You're world. sucked in there. And it's crazy. Because that's what VR, to me, is really about, is creating that sense of presence. Yeah. Where you're there. Yes. Like, you know, in a video game, you're still looking at a TV screen, and no matter how hard you try, the fact of the matter is you can't convince your brain subconsciously mm-hmm. that you're there. You just can't. Yeah. Well, like, there's a mo- there was a moment we, we got our ass kicked a little bit because our engineer didn't quite understand how to beam things over very quickly. <laughs> and so we were just get- we can't put the shields up while you're transporting, of yeah. course, so we're getting hammered by the Klingons. And, um, we, you know, sh- like fire starts over in the corner. And, like, at one point, like, one of the other crew members, it's not a player, it's just, like, an NPC crew member, but she gets thrown over the railing and she's, like, dead in front of me. <laughs> and, like, and, like, on, on, like this, the, the console next to me is on fire. And I'm just like, shouldn't, shouldn't someone be doing something yeah. about this? <laughs> like, 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 McCoy, where are you? Like, like come yeah. on, like, we got injured up here. But it was, like, that kind of, like, feeling of, like, you, you know, you, you're almost, like, you almost rock with the ship as it happens. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's ton of, the, the experience is many, many times more than the sum of the parts. And I think people may just be looking at this trailer and they're like, Matt's insane. Like, it looks silly. The, the graphics look, look pretty bad. But I'm telling you, once you're in there, once you look down at yourself and around and everything, your brain suddenly tells you, like, you're on a starship, bro. Like, we're, here it's we are. Feeling, yeah. It really works. It really, really works. And it's, it's going to be a great... Online game and a great party game. My, it will be a great party game. Imagine if you've been having a few drinks and you start doing that. Oh, yeah. People will lose it, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, my pick for best VR game of E3 2016 is Farpoint. This is the first-person shooter that was just announced for PlayStation VR at the show. Um, what Which, really sold it for me, and I don't know even if people, have, people may not even know that this exists yet, but there is a gun peripheral. Mm-hmm. That is coming out for PlayStation VR, and this is the first game that utilizes it. And having the gun in your hand makes a world of difference. In fact, when I first started playing this game, I didn't even play the game. What I did was I looked down at the gun and then like moved the gun like in 360 mm-hmm. degrees to look at the sides of it, and the, it tracks the gun. Mm-hmm. So when you tilt the gun to the left to look at the left side of the gun, the gun... like. On the screen, like toast right. to the left, stuff it's, like that blows your mind. It's that sense of place. It's yes, sense of I mean it's presence. not even the sense of you in place, but this object, this object that you have in your, your hands. Hand. Yeah. It tripped me out, dude, so much that I almost like the game started. I just kind of like was standing there, and, like <laughs> I felt like the person who was running it like tapped me on the back, like "Wake up, bro! Like what are you doing? You're just standing there," and then. You know, the, the, it's also, I would say, probably the best-looking PlayStation VR game that I've played. I agree with you a thousand percent that the, the drop is. It's Vive, drops down for Oculus, and then drops pretty significantly down for yeah, PlayStation it's noticeable. VR. And this game mitigated that. Like, it felt, mm-hmm. it looked pretty much as good to me as an Oculus game. And that's mm-hmm. the first place to PlayStation VR game that I could say that about. Um, I don't know how they did it. I don't know what they're doing to make it work. But you can even see in the in this footage that we're showing you right now. Like, think about all the other PlayStation VR games that you've seen. Do any of them even have like fog and like dust really, in them? No. no, because it, it particle effects. Like, this was way better than I thought PlayStation VR games would look. This is by far the best looking PlayStation VR game 
and coupled with the with the gun, and I mean, I don't know if the guns. It's probably not going to come with it. It's probably they'll charge you like fifty bucks for it or whatever. Yeah, I feel like you can probably emulate this with the motion controller, but it's not going to be a comparable experience. But see, the other part of the about the gun too that's important is like when you put it up to your shoulder, like the gun on the screen, mm. like comes up to your shoulder and you look down the scope, like you're looking down the scope of the gun, like it. It's really hard, and like with every VR, it's so hard to put into words what right. makes it so compelling. But it's just having that gun when you pull it up to look down the sights, and you're looking down the sights in the game, and you put it down, and like you're firing from the hip, and you're really firing from the hip. Like you can't put mm. money on stuff like that, and it's hard to explain it. You have, people have to try it. I actually yeah. just saw. I had to get some cables at Best Buy on the way over here. I saw Oculus and Best Buy. And someone was playing it, and there was a woman there telling them what to do, and there was, like, three people in line behind them, like, waiting for their turn. So, hopefully, I think PlayStation mm -hmm. VR actually starting today is in, like, a dozen cities in the U.S. or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, there's a chance you might be able to actually try it. As we've been saying all along, you really have to give this stuff a go to really understand it. Um, looking at that game, I'm sure you're watching on the screen, you're like, it looks like a generic first-person shooter. It does. It looks like a generic sci-fi first-person mm -hmm. shooter, but... But it's, it is different. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's a way you've never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, it, I'm a, I love... And the way it tricks your brain, if, a, a, way, the, a good VR game tricks your brain. I'm going I'm to wait for the, the first... The peripheral helps yeah. big oh, yeah. time, man. Instead of just like holding I'm going to wait for the first person out. who like has a heart attack playing a horror game on VR. Resident Evil 7, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's like the kitchen demo, which mm. is just a short little teaser... For like 15 hours? Oh my god. I mean, the, 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 oh demo, is, the demo is very similar to like an Outlast kind of thing. Yeah. But when you're in it, it's different. Like, because I know, like, people I know who play just the demo, they download the demo, they play it, they're like, ah, oh, it, was, it was okay. It was, I'm like, yeah, but when you're in it, yeah. and when you got the headset on, and you are there, and you look down at those arms, and you think those, and when that bug, bug is on you, and you do that too, <laughs> yeah. like it's 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 uh. different. It tricks your brain. It tricks your brain in a way that like a flat screen just doesn't. Nemec is yeah. asking how, and I'm only bringing this up because you mentioned this before we went mm -hmm. we went live. He's asking how comfortable is PlayStation VR for someone who wears glasses. I did not find it very comfortable. I had trouble. Yeah, Matt fit, had some issues. I had trouble fitting my glasses. My glasses are not very big, but I had trouble fitting my glasses into uh, some of the headsets. I did pull it off a couple of times. I think if I'd give, been given the time to, real, if it was my headset in my house, I'd figure it out and adjust yeah. it perfectly. But in a situation where, like, you know, people, people in waiting in line, you, you got to yeah. get moving. You gotta, I was, you know, I played the Eagle game with no, without my glasses because I just couldn't get it to fit yeah and i was hoping that like because the screens on vr are so close to my eyes because i can see like for about you know 10 feet perfectly um and i was hoping that like i would just be able to see the screens and be fine so you're but, nearsighted uh no i have astigmatism uh, okay so i see everything fine in general but detail starts to vanish after about 10 feet gotcha gotcha um so, like, I can tell you what kind of car is in front of me on the road, but I can't tell you what the license plate number is. That's basically... So, it's like the difference between SD and HD would, right, be, right. would be the difference with my glasses and my... So, I, I was hoping I'd be able to see the screens, because they're basically pretty close to your eye, right? Yeah. But whatever they're doing with the focal length on this thing, like, my vision in VR is the same as my vision in real life. <laughs> so, like, once you get past about 12 feet, I can't really... I just see... I just see Generally, what I'm like the, the objects there, I can't tell you details about them. Yeah, which I was. I mean, I can I can drive like that, and I can fly like an eagle like that. It turns <laughs> out. Uh, I kept the glasses on for Star Trek. Uh, they fit okay. 
but the problem was when I was putting them on, it scraped the inside of my eyelid, and so there was a big smear on my glasses oh, the whole no. time. <laughs> so that, and then uh, the PlayStation VR fit over my glasses just fine. Oh, okay. Uh, so there you go, Nami. There's a, there's a thing on the PlayStation VR where there's like a little button here, and you pull it, and you can kind of... Because once you get the headset, part, the head part on, there's a little button here you can control... Uh, like a slider on on the actual goggle part that can move out and in, so you can kind of set it on your face, right? And you can move it out to make room for the glasses, and it doesn't ruin anything. Um, so the PlayStation VR was actually I had the easiest time fitting my glasses in, but I think I might just go get contacts. Yeah, for, for, just for, for the, VR, just for the VR revolution. <laughs> um, or like tiny little John Lennon glasses or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I need I'd love to see you with those on. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't wear them for anything but the but the headsets. But uh, it wasn't terrible. But clear, I you know I think you'll have to do some work to fit. And like the, the you know the these are pretty small like glasses like the big hipster glasses. I don't know how people would fit those into. Like I don't know how Anthony Carboni is putting VR headsets on. Yeah. Um, Maybe he has contacts just for him. Like he probably does. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's going to have to happen if I'm going to do this. Okay, let's move on. Okay, here's a genre that's like dying. It used to be like the most prevalent genre in the industry, but it is dying. Best action adventure, and the reason it's dying is because a lot of games that used to be action adventures are becoming action RPGs. They're including mm. RPG elements. God of War used to be an action adventure. That's becoming a light action RPG. Um, so it was actually kind of hard to find like a lot of good picks for this. Um, what, what, what's your choice for best action adventure? Uh, my pick would be uh, For Honor. It, it kind of has to be, right? It's, yeah, I mean, it's one of the few non... I mean, even that has a little bit of like character building in it, but like there's it, loadouts and stuff. It's yeah, not yeah. like... Or, you know, there's no like XP. Or, well, I guess there, there was like... Is points there? and stuff. You get. Yeah, when you like, I think I every was game. It's like I said, if like a month ago, like eventually every game is going to be an action RPG. I can't remember, but like there is some level of you know loadout and you know you know you can choose which which character you know what armor is and what your kind of loadout is. You can pick male or female characters, so there is a little bit of of that, but yeah. it's, it's not anything on the level of like uh, what we saw in like Hor- the the new Horizon demo or anything yeah. like that. So, yeah, I mean, we've been over For Honor, but, like, yep. it's right up my alley. I love the guy who's making it and his enthusiasm for the product and for the enthusiasm for the subject matter, and uh, it feels like a passion project to me when I play it, and, like, there's a little, there's some moments in it that really kind of evoke, uh, you know, the dark and smoky and just dark, disgusting feel of, like, being in one of these medieval battles and... People just falling off ladders and crazy yeah. shit. So like, I, I, and, and the Lord of the Rings fan in me digs it. It is like the classic action adventure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I think we've talked about this game enough. Um, obviously, had a pretty decent showing at the show as well. In addition to last year, and he, it has our favorite presenter of the entire yep. show. When Aisha Tyler didn't want to do it anymore, just hand it over. Yeah, <laughs> I still am wondering if that cane is a prop. Can't tell. I can't tell either. He had it with him when I saw him in, the, in the demo room. Yeah. Did he? Like I don't know. I mean, if I looked that cool with it, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I'd take it. I'd be rocking too. the cane yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, my pick is Dishonored Two. Mm-hmm. Um, I really struggled between Dishonored Two and Gears of War Four. Well, I like we have honor in both of our. Yeah, exactly. Titles. <laughs> I'm dishonored, and you're for honor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I've talked before about the first Dishonored, about how I really wanted to love it, but it seemed kind of drab and dark and dreary. But what they showed at E3 2016 could was way away from that. Like I was really impressed with how vivid and alive the game feels. Um, it felt a lot more immediate. I always felt like I had no motivation to do anything in the first Dishonored. Hmm. I feel like there's more of an immediacy in, in the sequel. Um, obviously, the color palette, a lot more vivid than what you had in the first game. Still lots of browns and grays, and it's certainly got like kind of a steampunk vibe to it. But what I like most about this, when I started like saying, okay, should I choose Dishonored 2 or should I choose uh, Gears of War 4, what I really loved about Dishonored 2 is the, is the flexibility you have in how you play it. Like, even based upon what we saw of Gears at E3, it looks great, and there's some new elements to it. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be... You're still going to go down a cattle chute, and you're mm-hmm. going to kill everything that shows up in front of you, and then you're going to move on. They're going to kill everything that shows up in front of you. Uh, the flexibility in how you tackle each opponent or each scenario or each area of the game in Dishonored uh, kind of put it over the top for me. The demo, I thought, was really compelling that they showed at the uh, Bethesda press conference. Um, I love this this whole mechanic that they showed where you, it like shows like... Basically, when you look through that, that glass, it's like showing you a different time mm-hmm. period. Like, I've never seen anything like that in a game before. Um, and certainly, you know, while Gears of War 4 looked pretty good, I can't really say that there was any part of it where I felt like it was something that I had never seen before. Um, obviously, this, the pedigree that goes into this game speaks for itself. Uh, if you're a fan of Deus Ex, you're probably going to love this game. I am a fan of Deus Ex. But, yeah, this mechanic is so sweet, dude, how you look through that shard the shards mm-hmm. of glass and it's showing you like a different time in in space like game's looking hot yep i'm a, uh, a lot of a lot of new ideas for the stealth genre yeah which is good to see yeah and uh, but the thing is you don't have to play stealth if you don't want to like that's <laughs> why i like it like i don't really like stealth gameplay all that much anymore i like that i don't have to play it that way if i don't want to so this is the modern action adventure ladies and gentlemen dishonored 2 i really like this you can just watch people freak out from another time frame, yeah, from another, time, another time period, yeah. It's uh, it's just another layer on the onion for a series that already had many, many layers. So that's kind of what put it over the top for me. Just honored two, my pick for mm. best action adventure of E3 2016. Uh, let's move on. Best strategy game. Not many of these at the show. No, not so much. Not so much at all. Like Mm-mm. there was like four strategy <laughs> games. <laughs> this is. I'll tell you what. Like doing these awards, like. It just reminded me again of like how awesome Sift it is. Because like I went to our E3 hub and I was like, you could spend hours and hours trying to pick these. But all I did was I went to our E3 hub, I went to the channel nav, selected whatever genre it was, and then just sorted the no- the hub by the week. Mm-hmm. And ding, 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 ding. Because obviously I have my Sift ratings there, so it's going to bubble up automatically the games that I would like more in each one of those genres. And that's how I managed to like pick these all in pretty short order I remember lots of like best of E3s at GT or at G4 or Tech TV or GameSpot where it was like a nightmare. Like literally like two days of like trying to figure out my nominees and my winners was sifted. I just bam, 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 solved it pretty quickly. That's how I, but to my point is, I, that's how I actually figured out what strategy games were at E3. Uh, and there weren't many. There was literally like five, I think, yeah, total like at the many. show. Yeah, so what was your pick? Uh, my pick was the only one I played, but 
Shouldn't surprise anybody. Gwent. Yes. Well, I think even if you'd have played a million strategy games, yeah, you still would have picked Gwent. I think so. <laughs> I mean, there's a, I mean uh, was Donna War 3 around? I didn't see that. It was it was not on the floor. Okay. But it, they did do the tour around all the websites and did onstage demos. Okay. But I, I didn't get to play it. Well, I got to play Gwent. And uh, as someone who probably put about 15 to 20 hours into it on The Witcher 3, what they're doing in this game is... Very far be. I mean, they did. They, they could have just taken Gwent from Witcher Three and dropped it on iPad and called it a day. Yeah, but free to play, right? This game is free to play with like you know optional purchases for probably card packs or whatever. But uh, all new art, uh, all new game mechanics in terms like the game flow is still the same, but all the cards do different things. Like they've rebalanced everything. Um, Got, got, it's got campaigns, multiple campaigns, and we'll add more later as well. The campaigns are about 10 hours long each. Uh, written by wow. the, Written by the woman. That's shocking. Yeah, written by the woman who wrote, like, the Bloody Baron quest in, uh, wow. in The Witcher 3. Yeah. They showed some of it. It's like it's got an overworld where you can explore around and find ruins and find new cards and recipes in there to craft cards. Um, it's fully voiced with all the voice actors from, you know, returning characters, new characters, the whole deal. Um, and then there's an online multiplayer, and uh, they basically showed us all that stuff, and then they had us play against you know each other you know, yeah. on computers. I picked Northern Northern Kingdoms, which was my uh, my go-to deck in the in the main game. Uh, instantly recognized that everything was different. I mean, there's a lot of differences, and this oh this card does this now, that card does that, and you, I could just see the possibilities of how this deck is going to work now unfolding. It's like oh this does this oh that card's not useless anymore because now it works with this card and that card. And you can summon it, and um, I won in two straight rounds, which is very unusual. Usually, I give yeah. up the second round to get the third. round. Won in two straight rounds, and in the second round, I beat I beat the other guy 110 to 10. Oh my gosh! Um, and like, <laughs> had he just, ever played before? Uh, he no, he had never <laughs> played before. But he also had no chance. Gwen is confusing if you haven't played it. Like the yeah. first couple games can be hard to. Well, wrap and this your head one, this is a much more. I mean, the flow is the same. The way the turns work is the same. There's no, ex, you know, it's kind of unique in that the cards. It's just all cards. There's yeah. there's no mana. There's no fuel. There's no lands. There's no like external way to power your abilities. It's just each card does a thing. Right. And. Um, it feels very kind of pure in that regard. Actually, that's one of the reasons I like it. But um, uh, as I was putting it down, all these different cards down, and seeing how these new things worked, I just saw, oh, this is going to be possible to do. And then it made me wonder, like, oh, what do the other guys do now? Right, right. And like, it, you know, it's, it was great. It was, it was. Uh, and then they have like premium cards. Like, I guess if you when you're buying the microtransaction stuff or whatever, like sometimes you can get premium cards, premium versions of cards, and those cards. Uh, are animated, oh, cool. and they're like they're like full animations of like. So they had like the fiend card, which is like this giant the giant deer monster thing that they demoed The Witcher three with. Yeah. So the card of that is like is this guy standing in front of him, like surprised by him, I guess from from a forest, like his back to you, and it's just standing there and just sort of like like that. And pure, I mean, it's, it, this thing is so animated. You can you can rotate around it like like kind of forty five degrees, and it's so animated that when it breathes out, the guy in front of it's like. Clothing ripples ah. with the with the wow. They they did they have this new art director and she was she was there in the demo and like she she must love like every single character and monster in this series because she has just like the art in the Gwen stuff was already good yeah. but like the art on these cards the new cards is just like it's jaw dropping like some of the stuff is it you coming put on the to other platforms besides mobile. 
Oh, it's, 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 it's coming X, to like consoles. Xbox, PS4, PC. Okay. The whole deal. There's a, like a beta test or closed beta or something this fall. I don't know. I, they, I don't think they really said when they think it's coming out. But yeah, free to play. Ten hour campaigns. They want to complain more, about that. They want to add more campaigns later. And yeah. Uh, so where do they make money? Buying transactions, cards. buying the cards. Yeah. Because like it, you know, I'm sure you'll earn packs or whatever for doing campaign or winning on online multiplayer. But as we know, if you really want to be competitive, Hearthstone players, you gotta spend some money. Freemium. Uh, woo. That's how it works. But it, I had a guy, oh, as a fan of the card game in the in the gar, in the game, this was a really cool expansion of it. Yep. My my favorite strategy game of E3 2016 was the other one. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Dawn of War was there. I didn't play Dawn of War. But even if I had played Dawn of War, this game would have won anyway, because I'm like the biggest fanboy. Civilization Six. You could have put any strategy game in front of me, and this was going to win my best strategy game of mm-hmm. E3 2016. Um, you know, with Civilization, the changes are usually subtle, and it's hard to really understand the ramifications of them until you're at, like, turn, like, 800 or whatever. So it's kind of hard, I felt like, for them to demo like a lot of the changes that they made to the game. Um, so I, ca- I can't even really say whether I think the changes are for the better or the worse. They sound like they're for the better. But that's the thing. You'll, you'll not... You won't, you'll, why did I go like Victoria? <laughs> you'll not know until... You know, uh, that's something you, you can't really know until you've played a couple of 20-hour games of this incredibly absorbing yeah. series, you know, you, and compared it to all the others, and compared it to hundreds of hours you've played on all the other games, and like, do you like this better than that? Yeah. The bottom line is it's another civilization. Civilization. I've played every yeah. one of them. It's being built by the same team that made all the other ones, and I loved all of them. And so, to me, it's going to be really hard for a game to supplant this is my favorite, and maybe ever, in all honesty, uh, it's just, I, I, I'm not even like a really big 4X guy. But for whatever reason, this game, it's just like digital crack for me, man. It's just the one more turn thing. Like, I think I had 30 minutes to play the game, and like they basically had to kick me out. And we're like, hmm. dude, you can't play anymore. Because it's like the time flies when you play this yeah. game, too. It's, so you're always thinking ahead. You're not thinking in the moment. You're always thinking, like, what's going to happen if I do this? It's like chess, mm-hmm. but a little more complex. So it looks great. Uh I wouldn't say it's a tremendous boost over the last Civilization, but you know it's a pretty simple game. It doesn't need to compete with God of War for best graphics. Um, it's more Civ, and that's good enough for me. And it's my best strategy game of E3 2016. Okay. Best fighting game. Matt, I respect your opinion on this a lot. You are a fighting game aficionado, in my opinion. And uh, every time I hear about a new fighting game, and I know that you've played it, I want, I'm always interested to hear your opinion. So what was your pick? Uh, my pick is The King of Fighters 14. Okay. Which um, I'm a fan of the old SNK games. Uh, I think they lost their way a little bit yeah. over the years. Uh, I wasn't too impressed by 12 and 13. Um, it's fast as hell. They game. are, yeah. <laughs> this game is the, so the, damn fast. Which is not a, um, a King of Fighters uh Tradition, right? I mean, they've, they've, SNK games are often a slower fighting game than Capcom's, but this game they've switched to 3D in this one, and I gotta say, like I, I, you know, played two, I played two matches of it over the course of E3, and it feels it's faster, it feels very responsive, 
the um, the hits feel good. The hits feel good in a Street Fighter four way. The hits feel good in kind of like that meaty, like impactful <laughs> way. Um, and it was, and I I just I really dug it. It was it was nice to see all these characters back. They're doing them in three D and they're in recognizable. 3D, yeah. Like they've really managed to kind of capture the classic SNK art style. For they the really most did part. it in three dimensions. Yeah, it's it was not impressive. easy. Yeah, as we've seen, like you know, I, I like the Street Fighter Four and Street Fighter Five character designs, but they are clearly not transmuting the three the two D versions of those oh, characters no. to three D. It's hard to even recognize some of the characters yeah. in Street Fighter Five. So even um, characters like Ken. Yeah, <laughs> well, that hair. Yeah, but um, I thought this is gonna. I think this game is gonna be a really nice comeback. Uh, for this series to kind of, you know, in this in this uh, time period where, like, fighting games are kind of enjoying a bit of a renaissance. Yeah. And SNK has been a little bit, of, you know, the King of Fire has been left out of it a little bit. But I think people are going to like this game when they get their hands on it. I I've think... played it on the floor. The one thing I would say about it that made it feel a little old to me is the character roster. Because, mm-hmm. like, you don't really see fighting games with, like, wacky characters mixed in with, like, human characters. Like, either Mm -hmm. the game is, like, over the top, like a killer instinct, and it's okay to have, like, a dude made out of ice. Or it's, like, Street Fighter, where everyone's, like, caricatures, but Mm -hmm. still, like, somewhat There's no dinosaurs. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Um, King of Fighters, I feel, has sort of found it... You know, everybody expects both of those character lists to be in there. Well, there's so 50 like, characters in this yeah. game. 50! So you can't really... So on one hand... You got, what, 21 in Street Fighter Five or something? Or less? Something Six, like that. 16? Yeah. 16, or, yeah. with some being... Like, four or five being added over the course of yeah. the year. But, um... Yeah, I mean, not only do you have to get everybody in there because you got 50 characters, but also, like, King of Fighters fans expect the serious characters to exist alongside those joke characters. Right, like, right. I mean, you, know, every, you can't disappoint either side of that fan base. Yeah. And some of that fan base are the fans of both of them. So, like, yeah. it's just the nature of the beast. So, it didn't really bother me. And I think they, they kind of found a way to synthesize the art styles so they don't look completely out of... I mean, the little Freddy Krueger guy is always going to look a little weird. Yeah. But, um... I'm, I dug it. I and, and it's not, you know, it's not one of my top fighting game series, but I, it felt good, and I will, uh... I will try to dive into this one as much as I can when it comes out. Okay, my pick is Tekken 7. And I know you don't like Tekken. Nope. <laughs> I might play it if Akuma's in it. I mean, I did like that Akuma... I did see the Tekken 7 demo and I haven't played it. They had the arcade version, I think it was, uh, like there to play in the, in the I booth. played the PC version at the show, actually. Was that was it? Yeah. Was, okay. That's what they were showing there. At least where I saw it. Where'd you go? Bonnie Namco's booth, like yeah. up in the up yeah, it's in the, the PC version, up in the boonies of the three like three hundred offices. Yeah. yeah, okay, so that was the PC version. It was, I mean, it felt it was smooth and really pretty. I mean, I just don't like Tekken very much, but I like, <laughs> but I like that Akuma, like he's still got his EX bar, he's got all his moves. They didn't like really, they didn't Tekkenize him. He's a Street Fighter character in Tekken. Yeah, which is pretty cool. What what I, what made me pick this is because it is different. Um, it's been a while since a Tekken game has come out. A full-fledged, is, like, real Tekken right. game. Yeah. yeah, other than Tag, which still has been a while now since yeah. Tekken Tag Tournament 2 came out. Um, Free right now for Xbox Live Gold. It is, yeah, yeah. It's a special promotion for E3. But uh, it's been a while since I've played, like, a juggle-heavy fighting mm-hmm. game. Like, even, like, uh, the last Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat X, it has some juggles in it, but I feel like they've toned that down over the years in that series. Mm-hmm. And we have a justice. Mortal Kombat is much more about the bounce 
the bounce right. hits now. Right, and then timing the bounce yeah. to continue your combos. This is just like straight up juggle happy, mm. and it made me happy. Like I really had fun with it. Like I, I get the Tekken is more of a casual fighting game. It also has kind of that weird mashup of characters too. Like you can play right. as a bear in Tekken. Like <laughs> play as a kangaroo. You can play as a raptor. You can play as a man who wears a cheetah mask his yeah. whole life. Like yeah. who cares? <laughs> So it does have kind of that wacky element to it. But, you know, I'm also kind of a fan of Tekken from, like, way back in the day. Um, back on the original PlayStation, me and my college buddies would just sit and play Tekken literally mm-hmm. all night. Like, have just drink beer and play Tekken and talk smack. And so I do have a bit of a soft spot in my heart for it. Um, but it just felt good to play something that was a little different. Um, you know, you have Mortal Kombat X, but now Injustice is coming out. And it, even though it's not quite as gory as Mortal Kombat X, the combat and the timing of it is still very similar. Yeah. And uh, King of Fighters 14, I did and play... if we can be honest, um, kind of ugly. Yeah. I don't like the character models in, uh, in Injustice. Injustice. Yeah, they all look the same. They're all just wearing this like weird power armor. It's like... Also the face, I think the faces. I don't, NetherRealm seems to struggle with like non-repulsive human faces at, at times. Well, the game just doesn't... It just doesn't look that good. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, look even at screenshots that they've captured direct from their builds and the hair. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't look that good. I don't know what's going on with that game. Because Mortal Kombat X looks pretty good. I don't yeah. I don't know what the story is with Injustice 2. But this game I, looks good. Looks it good. plays good. I like the like the slow-mo um, last hit thing it yep. does. Where, like, you know, when it, when it knows you're going to connect with that final hit, it'll, like, zoom in and do this cool camera, like, slow-mo move of the final hit of the match. Yeah. There's some cool things in there. They didn't they didn't like go too far into the idea of what the, like what the story mode will be, but it looks like there's there's some depth in there. There's some I hope they keep it wacky. I think it will be, but like, I hope we get those awesome CG sequences that we've been getting from this it looks series. Like they're doing it all in engine. Oh, really? Like all that stuff you okay. all that stuff we saw with um Akuma fighting Heihachi was apparently all in engine. So, oh, really? Yeah. So, and that That's and, impressive. Cuz that fight it so transitions, into, it transitions a into a QTE You're right, it that does. then becomes the fight, You're absolutely the, first, right. the, the match in the story mode. You're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, Virtua Fighter is probably my favorite fighting series. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll ever get another one of those, to be honest with you. And if we do, will it be any good? Yeah. I mean, the people who made those that series great are long on to I know. Things. So, I don't know. I think Tekken and Street Fighter are the last two series that I really love that I'm holding on to. And I wasn't a big fan of Street Fighter V, so... Mm-hmm. I'm kind of holding on to Tekken here for dear life. I will tell you this though: um, you want to learn how to how, like the basics and like the really fundamental stuff about how you handle a moment-to-moment fight in a 2D fighter. Pick up the new Guilty Gear game on PS4. Really? Revelator. Revelator yeah. Uh, it's been getting the, great reviews. The tutorial on that thing, probably the best fighting game tutorial of all time. Wow! Like really goes in depth and does some. I'll cool ask them for there. a code for that. Actually, yeah. I think they sent me an email asking me if I wanted it, and I was like, uh, I don't think I even replied. I recommend trying trying that tutorial. It's it's I mean, it's even for me, it's kind of review, but some of it is also like, oh yeah, that's why I do that. <laughs> you know, like I do that on instinct because I've learned to do that, but I don't. Now it's like, oh, that's why. I, yeah, that's right. That's true. So some of that stuff becomes so ingrained, it's hard to explain to someone that doesn't know. Yeah. And uh, that game, that game, does a good job. Okay, uh, let's move on. Best racing game. Is there even a choice? <laughs> no, we can say it together. Yeah. Forza Horizon, Horizon 3. There is Gran Turismo Sport. But we're picking good things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah there was like no racing games or Not driving really. games at E3. There's a couple like indie ones and there's a couple like VR ones. 
But as far as proper driving games, this and Gran Turismo. Yep. I wasn't even overly impressed with this. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's more Forza Horizon, which is yeah. good. It's fine. I mean, it's it's weird. Australia's a cool location. Like, Did you I'm, play the demo that they had there? Nah, I kind of... It was one of those things where I'm just like, I watched someone play it for a while. Yeah. I'm like, I get the gist. I've played seven Forza games at least in the last ten well, years. Well, this trailer is of the demo. It basically spells mm-hmm. everything out for you. Basically, you start out, like, with a street car. You drive the street car for a little bit. Then you get, like, a dirt truck. Then you drive the dirt truck for a little bit. Then you get a buggy. Mm. Um, and then, like, for the last leg, there's this, like, guy in a Jeep that's being flown along underneath the helicopter. And right before the finish line, like, he actually drops onto the ground. And, like, your objective is to, like, beat him to the finish line over the last, mm. like, 300 yards or whatever. Um, it's fine. There's really nothing special about it, to be honest with you. Um, it's, it is fun. Like, the handling is really forgiving. Mm-hmm. Like, they had the driving line on by default on the E3 demo. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to playing, like, sim driving games. Because I haven't played a Horizon now for probably a couple years. And, uh, man, it was like the driving line changes colors, to telling you, like, whether you need to brake or you should mm-hmm. floor it. And, like, there are so many turns where I'm like, it's blue. And I'm like, no, bro. Like, I can't make this turn. And then, like, after, like, the first, like, couple minutes, I started, like, actually following the line. And, man, like, your car just sticks to the road like a mm-hmm. rail. Like, oh, this series this, this is an arcade is, racing yeah, series. I mean, it's halfway to outrun, frankly. Yeah. Lots of power sliding, lots of drifting. You get points. There's, like, objectives for each race yeah. that you need to accomplish. Um, was there any, like, VO in it? Like, my, my constant concern... Oh, there's voiceover. My constant lots concern with Forza Horizon is, like, are they ever going to get away from, like, the super bro-y, like... Like it's still car there. festival thing, it's still there. Oh, yeah. like the guy in the jeep like blathers the whole time, mm. like oh I'm gonna get you, blah blah blah. And then like the girl, there's a girl flying the helicopter and she's like yammering on and on. Um, the game also I didn't think looked all that good. Like it looks really good in this trailer, but when I was actually playing it, like it didn't look this good to me. Like there was lots of weird like LOD issues with like the grass like drawing in along the side of the well, I'll road play this and on PC anyway. So. Yeah, I, I played the Xbox One version on the new Xbox Model S. I might add, which were all over the show. Mm. Really bizarre that they do not show the hardware at the press conference. Then you go into Microsoft's booth, and probably sixty to seventy percent of the consoles in Microsoft's booth is the Model S, and they never had the hardware on their stage. Hmm. And in the booth, they actually had like a pedestal. With covered in yeah. glass, it had the hardware in it. I'm like, why wasn't this on your stage at E3? I always saw it was like an image. It was really weird. I will say, though, that console is really small. Like, like it's like this tall and like that big. Like, it is little. It looks like half the size. It's at 40%. It, it looks 40% it. size reduction. And the power supply is in the console. So, definitely some serious engineering. Mm-hmm. The people waiting in line to play. Forza Horizon with me were making fun of it. Like, they were calling it, they said it looked like a VCR from the 80s, and... It is boxy. It's a box, like, just like the original model Xbox One was, but, uh, and it is, like, another, like, dust trap, because mm-hmm. it's just got, like, holes, all bent, all, all, bent it, yeah. all over it, just, again, just like the original Xbox One model. Uh, but I'm still pretty impressed with it. It looks good, and I like the white, and, uh, it's a sharp kit of hardware. The new controller is good. Mm-hmm. We played the Pretty much all the games in the Xbox booth with the new controller. D-pad's a little better. Still not up to, like, the Elite standards, but it's better than what we got on the default. It's not quite as, like, clicky. Mm-hmm. It's like the default Xbox uh, One controller. Uh, 
But yeah, this was what a terrible year for racing games at E3. Yeah, there's like, nothing there. Two games. Um, and they did I can't do, even think of any other racing games on the floor. No, that's what I'm saying. There weren't any. Like, they yeah. did do Gran Turismo right. Like, they had, like, the booth where you could sit in little cars and, like... Yeah. Whereas, and they had, they for had, Forza like, Horizon, it was just kiosks with right. controllers. And they had a little strip of kiosks that had, like, I think it was a new f- expansion or something for Forza Motor- Motorsports 6. Yeah, yeah, they did, yeah. It was, like, um, three monitors or something. Yeah. But yeah, there was there was nothing racing wise. I'm talking about a dying genre. Action adventure is nothing compared to driving. So I wonder I wonder if that's partly because like people want like the real cars and stuff and like that it, maybe racing games have just become surprisingly expensive, considering all the corporate like deals you have to make to make one that like satisfies the racing scene. That could be it. Another part of it too is that we're getting driving in so many other genres mm. now with so many open world games with driving in it. It's like. I feel like a lot of people are getting their driving fixed playing stuff like Grand Theft Auto yeah. or Watch Dogs or whatever. It's like, and truth be told, the driving models in, in engines in those games mm-hmm. are all pretty much as good as like what you're getting in strict yeah. racing games. And so. frankly, like also Horizon, the Horizon series is like another series that's sort of edging in on action RPG territory. It is, like, yeah. Oddly enough, like yep. a it's lot of the everywhere. same mechanics. Father Shane <laughs> prophesized several months ago that the whole world is going to become an action RPG. Let it be so. Yeah, usually EA gives you your third racing game and is a Need yeah. for Speed game, but uh, yeah, no they, they were quiet. This year. Yep. Probably for good reason. They, man, they struggle to find what to do with that series, it seems. Last one was not good. I, I mean, I, I don't remember what the last one was. I didn't really was. enjoy it at all. Need for Speed? Yeah, which one? This came out last year. Last year, I didn't play that one. Remember, it was. I like the one before that. Remember, it was all FMV. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It looked too much like the. the Talk about broy. Yeah. That game was (laughs) broy. It looked too much like. um, Bumps into the camera. It looked too much like the run. Yeah. Remember the the story-driven one? Yeah. That's kind of the same. It was kind of the same deal. Let's move on. Best adventure game. So this is like point-and-click stuff. Mm. Wandering stuff, laid-back experiences. Right. I sometimes struggle to even call them video games. <coughs> What's your pick, Matt? Um, I didn't really play a lot of these. Uh, I missed the Telltale booth completely. Yeah, it was tucked uh, away. It was hard to find. Which I saw. I saw like the picture of it on the Sifted story, which like I guess it was set up like the Batcave, which yeah. was pretty cool. But yeah. Didn't get to see it, so I kind of defaulted to Abzu. Yeah. Again, which is definitely an adventure game, swimming through your ruins and. Trying to piece together a story with no dialogue, like so, that's, yeah. that's what they are these days. So. Yeah, uh, I would have liked to have seen the Batman Telltale game, but was not to be. I saw it, and it ran like hot garbage. And it was played; oh. they were playing it on PC. So it was a Telltale game. I mean, it chugged. It chugged. It they like, have they have weird performance problems with a lot of their games and I can't figure it out. It was literally running at like 10 to 15 frames a second. Wow. That's how bad it was. Like, and I was like, because they were playing with an Xbox controller and I was like, oh, this must be the Xbox One version. I followed the cord down and it was plugged into a PC. Like, Hmm. they got some work to do on that game. Hmm. It does seem like it's pretty early, but I think it's coming out September? Yeah, it's not that right? Not forever. I mean, originally it was summer. I think it slipped to September, October. Now I know why. Yeah. (laughs) They better move. They can't release that thing past halfway point of October. It's going to get buried. You're right. It will get buried. I don't know. Telltale no games, Batman. like, people kind of just let, like, love them. I guess. Uh, it, they're if there's kind a, of if there's, a, if there's a thing coming out this fall where I can put the cowl on in VR, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to play the story. <laughs> I want to, I want to put the, 
But the, guy, the the developer said like when people put the finally put the thing on and like look at themselves in VR in the mirror as Batman, he said one of two things happens: they start to pose or they start to dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right, my pick for best adventure game, and I struggled between this and one other one, is Detroit Become Human. Um, look, it is a David Cage game. Like, like you walk ten feet. And then a cinema happens. Mm-hmm. And then you walk 10 feet, manipulate something for a second, and a cinema happens. Did you press X to Jason? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this genre in general. It's not. It's probably one of my least favorite genres next to, like, I don't even know. It might actually be my least favorite genre now hmm. that I think about it. Uh, but this game is gorgeous. And yeah. I love the plot and the story behind it, and I feel like it's something that we're going to see in a lot of more games going forward. This whole, and we're seeing it with Deus Ex and a couple others already. This whole, what happens when humans start interacting with robots? And is it? I love, like I said, I love Ex Machina. It's probably my favorite movie from last year. So I'm kind of a sucker for this subject matter, and it does have that kind of similar vibe to like Ex Machina. Um, very sparse music, very subdued lighting. Um, the voice acting in it is great. The graphics are great. Um, I enjoyed it. The mm-hmm. amount of time that I played it, the demo wasn't very long. Um, he did. He did show like uh, the same segment like three times over in a row, and like after the second time, it's like you get it. It's like yeah, okay, we right. get it. Like. You can do things different ways, and you have different outcomes. And he's like, mm-hmm. "But let me show you the third outcome." And you can hear everybody in the room go, "How oh. <laughs> like, you just show us the one outcome we're going to use a strategy guide to get?" Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> there's always a better one. Or why right? don't you just show us the outcome that we're going to watch on YouTube instead right. of actually going through the game and playing it? Um, but look, if you liked Heavy Rain or any of his other games, it is very much in that same vein. Of course, yeah. I mean, the gameplay is the same. I mean, the only decision is really, like, are you interested in this subject matter? Pretty and, much. Uh, I would say so. I mean, this is... Oh, really... I was way into this. Like, yeah. I was enthralled with this game. Um, because it's, like... The one thing I like about this is, like, this is... And I guess there's an angle in all these... In all movies and games based upon this scene. But it's all about, like, the robots and the humans... The lines becoming blurred between the two. Mm-hmm. And which in which one's in control... And if, if the, the cyborgs or the robots decide that they want to take control, what can humans do to stop them, basically? So what happens when robots go rogue, I guess? It's like that the whole idea of you've created your own problem, and you've created a problem so big that you may not be able to solve it. So there's like this kind of pervading sense of like mm-hmm. hopelessness. and like. We've also got the angle of, like, well, we created these things. Don't we have a responsibility to them? And there are tones of that yeah. in this as well. So, again, I'm not a huge fan of this genre, but of all the games that I saw at the show, this was the one that hit me the hardest and stuck with me the longest. I'm still thinking about it right now, actually. I mean, I was thinking about it today whenever I was driving over here. And I guess to me, that's kind of the, the best sign of an ex- a successful adventure game is how long does it stick with you? Because generally... The gameplay is not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You, you don't stay up at night thinking about pointing and clicking, or like <laughs> picking up an orange and like looking at it. Like that's not the stuff that like kind of sticks with you over time. It's the plot, and the right. plot in this game seems really good. The characters seem legit. Like the voice acting for the robots is really good because they managed to 
allow just like this hint of syntheticness to it. I think I just made up a word. <coughs> but it, it's not like bad voice acting. It's like sometimes bad voice acting may sound like someone's a robot. Like however they they work with their voice actors on this, like they just freaking nailed it. Like you can tell they're not human. But it's not like the take me to your leader, like, crap like that. There's just, like, this very subtle, like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. Like a data kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, even he was maybe a little bit too over the top. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they do a better job with it here. Um, the other game that was borderline for me is We Happy Few. Mm-hmm. Um, that game was really freaking weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the demo that they showed during E3, but unfortunately that's yeah. all that they had to play at the show as well, so... A lot of, Bio- that's the a lot thing of Bioshock about, flavor to that one. Yeah, and that's the thing about adventure games, is like, most of them, once you play them once, you've played it. So mm-hmm. like, the whole shock of what, if We Happy Few, they showed at the press conference, like, you know, when you know what's coming, it loses a lot of its impact. But with David Kaje's games, or however the hell you say his name... Because things can be different every time you play them and there are different outcomes, mm-hmm. it has a little bit of a more of an impact. And so that's why I chose it over We Happy Few. Uh, all right, we've got one, two, three categories left. And, of course, the last one is the big one, Best of Show. So, Best Trailer. I didn't think the trailers were too strong this year. Um Outside of things like, like you know, Call of, the Call of Duty Infinite Warfare thing, like, they put that up on YouTube as a trailer, but it's really a seven-minute gameplay See, that's demo. the thing. Like, a lot of trailers aren't really trailers anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just gameplay. And then they right. name them trailer or whatever. Um, that caused a lot of confusion by one of our curators on Sifted over, uh, over E3 as well. Like, a lot of this stuff, because they name it trailer, it would be mm-hmm. tagged a trailer. But in actuality, it's like an eight- or nine-minute gameplay segment. Right. So... Um, so I'm gonna have to go with Spider-Man. Yeah, because that was a, it's a great trailer, nice uh, and all in engine. Not, yeah, all in engine. It's not not it's CG, not a cheat. no bull shots. So uh, yeah, I think of of all the trailers I saw, that was the one that stuck with me the most. Yeah, the choreo- the fight choreography, and it's great. Mm-hmm. It shows off a lot of what you're gonna be able to do. Some of the traversal in that game looks insane. Like. That one section where he's like going through that store and he like kind yeah, of right dig. There. Yeah, this yeah. is right here. That's incredible, dude. Yeah. Like all this. Why, if you watch all this stuff really clearly, wraps him up, boom, like ties his web to like a pole, wraps it around the dude, dude gets shucked out of the car. Like, yeah, I, I, I think this is a great trailer. And this is a traditional trailer, by the way. Mm. This is, it's gameplay, but it's all cut together and it's cut to music very well. There's lots of dramatic pauses here and there. There's the dips to black for emphasis. I'm I'm with you on that one. My pick is, and this might be a little controversial, and I agree with you, trailers were not great at this year's E3. In fact, there were probably five or six trailers that were released in the month leading up to E3 that were better than any trailer from E3. But if we're talking about something that stuck with me, Death Stranding, Kojima's new game. Is there any trailer you'll remember more than that one from E3 2016? I forgot it already, basically. Really? There was nothing in that trailer that was interesting to me. Really? No. Really? It's a naked guy from uh, from Walking <laughs> Dead. I don't give a shit. I don't, uh, more like obtuse Kojima shit for something we're probably not even going to play until 2019. And a lot of dead crabs. I would agree that with that. clearly have had their weak spots hit for massive damage. <laughs> 
I would agree with everything you said, except there's nothing intriguing in this. How can you say there's nothing intriguing? There's this weird, like, baby laying with, like, a black umbilical cord attached to him. Because I've played... Where is that umbilical cord going to? What's that attached to? I've played the Kojima games before, and the answer is always going to be something unsatisfying. Yeah, but look, now when he stands up, you can see that something has been cut out of his gut. He has a scar. That baby was, like, inside him, dude. Or something. I look, like, I look forward to Tadeo Kojima Presents Shower With Your Dad Part 2. Um, I can't clearly, think of Clearly trip. he's upset about it. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, this doesn't really, it doesn't really impact me just because I know to expect some ridiculous, like, answer to these things. But, you didn't, but here's forever. the thing. I mean, the first time you watched this, you didn't even know what it was, like, or whose game it was. Like, didn't he, I thought he came out and, like, presented stuff. I thought that happened afterwards. It says, like, a Kojima game At the or end whatever. it does, yeah. I just saw the, the credit thing. Oh. Regardless, I don't know. I find it intriguing. Like... Mm. If it was anyone, what say if, you, chat? If it if it was a if it was a creator who I trusted to tell me a story that didn't piss me off, I would find it more intriguing. But I don't look. But at this is like if J.J. Abrams shows me a trailer for Lost Two, I'm also going to react the same way. I'm just like, yeah. Do you even know what the polar bear is yet? Like, you have no <laughs> idea. You have no fucking idea, do you? I don't look at it that way. I don't say like, oh, because it's a Kojima game, I shouldn't care about the trailer. Like, what are those beings floating in the sky there? Like, there's all kinds of questions and intrigue in this. Like, I don't know, but I bet they know you like Swicked in Castlevania. <laughs> I don't know. If if, it, if the idea of a trailer is to drum up intrigue and interest in a product, this was the most successful example of that, in my opinion, at the entire show. Mm. You have no interest in this game based on that trailer. None. Not yet. Really? Maybe when we see what it is. None! Not really. It tells me nothing. It's 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 just teaser. I'm, I'm very impressed they got it together as fast as they did because I didn't expect to see anything from it one way or the other. I'm glad Norman Reedus is still working with him after the Silent Hill yeah. thing got killed. Uh, and he even put up like a anti-Konami little Photoshop thing on Instagram. You see that? Yeah, I saw he it. photoshopped uh, so Konami's the, the tears Konami tears on, the cup. on yeah. Kojima's cup. So clearly Reedus is that. invested, which is yeah. good. But. Um, I have no idea what that game is, what it's going to be about. That's okay, though. You don't, don't need a trailer that's like, hey, here's this dude that wants to kill all these people. Like, Right. That's not what I, but I don't care about what I was just shown there. I do. I think it None was of the, the best trailer. I, I guarantee you the answer is going to be nanomachines. <laughs> it's always going to be nanomachines. <laughs> and it also, like, the guys floating in the sky reminded me uncomfortably Prometheus, which is not a positive association in my head. I just, I don't know. Spider-Man made me look forward to like this game I knew I'm going to play by these this developer that I inherently trust to make a great experience, and that is just like, nope, Kojima sure is Kojima. Yeah, it looks like in the chat. Very pretty. Looks in the chat like seventy thirty people like the trailer. So Kubrick of video games. That is giving Kojima a lot of credit. He's definitely not the Kubrick of video games. He's the Kubrick of <laughs> no, well, he's the Kubrick of video games in the sense that he's in love with his own shit and he takes forever to make it. Yeah, that's but, a, um, an analogy. <laughs> I think Kubrick is a far more successful artist than Kojima is. Yeah, the only other trailer that was actually in competition for this award from me was South Park, <laughs> the fractured butthole. Yeah. I mean, that trailer is yeah. hilarious. That but that's good. like the straight up like generic video game trailer. Yeah, we, like I, we get those all year long. Same with like, like Battlefield One had a good trailer, but it was like yeah, it, it was, was good. it was a ga video game trailer, and they made us watch us like watch it like three times. Yeah, yeah. So. 
I'm not but saying yeah. there's anything wrong with a traditional video game trailer. I'm just yeah. saying, like, after being at E3 for three days and, and sitting in here and talking with you about E3 for two or three days before that, like, it's the trailer I remember from E3 26. And I guess a year later, like, when we're sitting here a year from now, if you try to remember one trailer from E3 other than the Spider-Man trailer that you, you gave the award to, mm-hmm. you'll remember it. Probably that's the one that you'll remember. Like, I remember because we talked about it, but when I did, I did the sifted thing too to remember what things were, and I, yeah. and I put in the you know click the trailer thing, look through, and I saw the desk. I'm like, oh yeah, that one that happened. <laughs> like I would not, I would never have thought of that trailer when I was trying to think of the best trailers wow. for E3 if I hadn't seen it on the sift. Interesting. Like, it made no impression on me whatsoever. Wow, you're a tough customer, Kyle. All right, let's move on. We have two categories left. So you might want to start getting questions in if you have questions for us for the end of the show, because uh, there's no trailer of the week, um, because we're doing a different format this week. So mm. next topic, biggest surprise. So this is a game mm. that, uh, or new feature for a game or whatever that you just never saw coming. Mm-hmm. Matt, what's your pick? Not to, not to be repetitive, but <laughs> Spider-Man for the PS4. <laughs> so what do you think Matt's game of the show is? You might be surprised. <laughs> you couldn't play Spider-Man. That's three awards for Spider-Man. But, uh, out of 12. We didn't expect it to be Insomniac. We didn't expect it to be uh, its own thing. We didn't expect it to be... I didn't expect it to look that good. I mean, a surprise so. for me is that Insomniac's developing yeah. it. Because I yeah. really figured. I mean, it made too much Sucker sense Punch for made Sucker sense. Punch to make yeah. it. Yeah. And I feel it made so much sense they just decided not to discourage us from thinking that until it was time to reveal it. But uh, the fact that we went in not knowing, like you know, necessarily that detail or what this was going to be, and we came out getting a spider. We're going to get a Spider-Man game from Insomniac. And chances are, Great. it's going to be really good. So, <laughs> yeah. Although I don't know, Insomniac's pedigree has definitely been a little diluted over the last yeah. half a decade. I just I hope they do this one upright because it sounds like there's a lot of people for whom this project means a lot. Based upon the conversations we have with Insomniac at Pactor's party. They're gonna do it right. I mean, I can guarantee mm-hmm. you, they're putting everything they've got behind this game. Like, mm-hmm. you even can see even it in their the face. Like, like, well, even to the point that, like, the you know, the the costume that people are like, oh, what's that costume? It's like that's Insomniac Spider-Man costume. Well, remember you said I have one question, mm-hmm. and they were like, the white spider. The white spider. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And they're like, um, I'll be honest, because at first I was like, is this related to the movie? Because if he's wearing that in the movie, that's gonna blow. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't want that to be in the movie. Because, but it's like they they have gone so far as to design their own Insomniac Spider-Man costume, so that when people refer to their version of Spider-Man, he's you know visually identifiable. Right. And to me, that that shows a lot of confidence in what they are trying to do here. Yep, I'm sure there'll be some explanation for it in the story or something. Yeah. There's never been a white spider. Uh, Spider logo on a blue and red suit before. Never, yeah. I mean, he's obviously the Venom like black suit has the white spider, but it's never been uh, on a on a red and black red and blue suit before. It's a it's a bold choice. It is uh, my biggest surprise of E3 2016: Resident Evil Seven. I sat there and watched that whole presentation. Had no freaking clue that was Resident Evil this until was, this... the logo fades in at the mm. end, and I was like, "What?" Like. We'll be putting up our uh, Sony E3 press conference reactions video here in the next like day or so, and you'll get to see me lose my crap over Resident Evil. Although yeah, I think this is my, my other pick for I think for I lost this. my crap over Days Gone more than Resident Evil, mm-hmm. actually. But this not, was almost a coin surprise. flip. I was impressed with the tech in Days Gone. This was me. Like I just we watched this whole thing, and I'm like, 
if anything, I thought it was like a new Silent Hill. Because, I mean, this is so out of character for, honestly, any Resident Evil ever. Mm-hmm. Like, none of them have really looked like this. Like, none of them have definitely ever been in first person, and that was what really threw me off. I'm like... Just a really shitty spinoff. Yeah. Things. Like, I thought it might have, they might have even, like, somehow, like, revived P.T., because you can see, that's like the type of thing Sony... Or it could Sony, be a new IP that just right. like, you know... But that's the type of thing Sony does in his press conference. Mm-hmm. It figures out what the fanboys want, and then it delivers it. Right. Like, and that what... It's that like, oh, it, you want a PT? Well, here's PT, right. but it's not PT. Right. But it is PT. Well, it could have been PT. Yeah. Like, they could have, like, worked with Konami and said, hey, look, we'll fund development. We'll develop it. Just let us use the name yeah. or whatever. Like, Sony Konami does would be like, like we're busy. We're making pachinko. Yeah, exactly. Leave us alone. But it turns out, it's freaking Resident Evil 7. And I couldn't be happier, man. Like, I am really stoked for this game. I think the one thing, one criticism I do have, and this is after playing the demo for myself on my own TV, is the fact that it's playable in VR is definitely holding back the visuals. Mm-hmm. Like, it is not even, I wouldn't even put it anywhere near, like, the top tier of games that we saw at E3 2016. Um, it doesn't look bad. Actually, there are parts of it where it does kind of look bad. Yeah. Some of the stuff's pretty low poly. I mean, like, just, it, but it's little things, and like. You know, the character models things, don't look great. Well, not even things that look bad in the sense of like, oh, that's terrible, but in the sense of like, you you know, you open the pot and like the food is like a, a kind of a flat texture, right. basically. You know, not a very detailed. You know, it's, it's not, not modeled. It's not yeah. something bubbling in in liquid. It's just sort of like, oh, look, it's a representation. It's like stage food, yeah. almost. And it's just you know, there's a moment where you're like, oh, I mean, that's how we're used to things like that looking in games. But at the same time, it's like it would be nice to kind of step that up in this VR kind of, you know, the VR is so convincing when you're, you know, in terms of, of a technology. It would be nice to have these elements in the game that, like, reflect that. Because here's the thing. There are going to be a lot of people playing this game not in VR. In yeah. fact, the vast yeah. majority of people playing this game will not be playing it in VR. Definitely, yeah. And VR does fudge things a little bit. Like Now we all know how the PC gamers feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of people who are going to choose to play this without virtual reality, which is the majority, are going to be disappointed in how the game looks. At least if, if this is the engine that they're using, it leaves a lot to be desired. Now, playing in VR will be absolutely t- excruciating and, mm. and terrifying, <coughs> but most people are not going to play it that way. And so it'll be interesting to see like the feedback from this. Like Again, it doesn't look terrible, it just it's just not top shelf. And right. you, you look back and you look at games like Resident Evil 4, one of the best looking games on GameCube, period. Like no discussion. Even though you may not have liked five and six, hard to deny those weren't great looking games. So I guess that's the one draw. Even like that baby there, like look at the shoulder, like how polygonal mm-hmm. it is. Like it's like an octagon. Like so that's a little disappointing to me, but otherwise I'm on board with pretty much all the rest of it. So I was completely, like, there was a bit of an inkling that it was coming. Um, I We had already created the game page on Sifted before E3, so we wouldn't have to do it on the fly when it was announced. So we kind of had an idea that it was coming, uh, but not like this. Right. And not the way it was announced, and, you know, no introduction to it, just let it roll. And then the logo pops up at the end, and it's just like, what? No way! So, I love moments like that at E3. That's why E3 is so great, man. Those moments where you just get your yeah, mind Yeah, like that going. doesn't look very good. That, I mean, there's a lot, there, the whole game yeah. is... We'll see. But I it's mean, creepy, and it's different. I would say they have a lot of time, but they don't. 
Yeah. If they really hit their release date, it's like January 26th. I mean, that's six months from now. It's not a lot of time. So hmm. we'll see. Its initial showing still got me pretty excited. So yeah. that would have been. I was pretty much my other pick for surprise, but I figured you were going to do that. Oh. So. Thank you. Let's not repeat ourselves. <laughs> we only had two that were the same yeah. out of all these awards. Okay, so we've got to our final award for the show. Definitely get your questions in now because this is the last category. Best of show for E3 2016. Mm. Matt, what's your pick? My pick is Star Trek Bridge Crew. Whoa! It is... Uh, the thing that sent me out of that booth with the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> my gosh. And uh, it's... I respect your pick, by the way. It's the most fun I've had playing anything in VR, for yeah. period. And it was the most fun I've had playing like any kind of co-op thing in a very long time. Like, I came out of that... If I wasn't already getting a VR headset, I would get one to play that game. Yeah. Like, it, it was that good. And I'm not even a huge Star Trek fan. I'm just someone who likes Star Trek. Is that coming to PlayStation VR as well? It's coming to everything. Okay. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's PC, PlayStation VR, the whole deal. No shebang. Um, I would probably recommend something with more, you know, you know, the visual fidelity, even though the graphics aren't great, the visual fidelity did matter. Yeah. And the motion controls on the hands were very important. So, I mean, I don't know. I haven't used... The, the motion, you know, the Sony motion controllers with that, the VR thing, so I'm not sure how that stacks up. But uh, that would be a consideration I would make uh, if, you, if you really want to play this in the best possible surroundings. But uh, play, play this game with your friends, if, if at all possible. Yeah. Because it is, uh, it's a trip. Yep. If you didn't believe Matt loved it, now you know he loves it. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, so. maybe if Star Wars Battlefront X-Wing VR had been on the, uh, been on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this might have been different, but like, I respect that pick a ton because basically what you did is you looked at, you went to E3, what did you have the most fun with? Period. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course you knew when you picked this, people are gonna be like, you're crazy or whatever. Like, I don't know if they are, but mm-hmm. this is a surprise. Wow, at least they're surprised. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> but I respect you for sticking to your guns and just being honest and honesty. Like that's the mm-hmm. game you had the most fun with. So. That's your pick. Yeah, for it's your pick. My runner-up on that was although someone in here did call my runner-up on that would probably be For Honor. Yeah. Um. So uh, Ubisoft did pretty well by me. Yeah, definitely. And South Park and all. Ubisoft had some good stuff. Even though, like, you know, early on, I think I was focusing more on the stuff that disappointed me, like Watch Dogs Two, and yeah. I didn't think Ghost Recon was you know look yeah you know, looks good, but it doesn't look amazing. Uh, both of us don't understand what Steep is all about, really. Yeah. Um, I saw that demo, and it, I mean, the tech is cool, but I still don't really know who it's for. I, maybe, like, maybe I, sh- maybe I don't need to know that. I don't I'm know. I'm like, the extreme sports dude, and right. like, I really have like no interest in that game at all. But they throw. It's they, like if it was just a good snowboarding game, I might have interest in it. But mm-hmm. like the whole like paragliding and like wingsuit crap, like I just don't right. really care. But um, yeah, Ubisoft did did right by me. It should be in VR, steep. It seems like a no-brainer. It looks like it should be. It's not a great-looking game. Like no. it probably could run all right. And the first-person skiing stuff might make you sick pretty quick. But yeah. Like all the 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 wingsuit stuff seems like it's custom-made. Yeah. All right. So it's time for my pick. You can help me with the drum roll. Horizon Zero Dawn, and I will tell you right now, until that game comes out. <laughs> 
Every single trade show that it appears at, it is probably with 95% certainty going to be my game of the show. It, the game completely blew me away. I, I cannot remember being more excited to play a game than I am for this game in a long, long, long time. Um, I mean, I've kind of already gushed about it in the show, so I don't really need to go into much more detail about it, but I just love everything about it. I love the combat. I love the versatility you have in tackling enemies. I love the setting. I love the enemies. I love the mashup of the organic and the inorganic. Um, I love the mystery behind it. Like, where are all these machines coming from? You know there's going to be some crazy twist where they go, they find, like, some crazy factory that's, like, making the robots. Like, it's just got everything. It's... It's, it's an action RPG, which is a genre that I'm really into these days when they're done right. Um, it's gorgeous. I love the main character. I love how strong she is. I love that she's like a man among men, but she's not a man. Um, there's just no game that's as unique as this one, that's as well-crafted as this one. Uh, the one concern I would say that I might have is the narrative. Does it hold up? Uh, Gorilla is not especially known for great writing and great narrative. Mm. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, that's the one thing we haven't really seen much yeah. of either. I also hope they get a little of this LOD under control. Yeah, you can definitely see the, the grass detail drawn in there when she rides up the hill. But, man, the demo that we saw behind closed doors where, like, the, the way that enemies adapt to the combat situations, depending on what you use, was just what really sold me, man. Like, the AI of each enemy. And, like, how, there's also, like, a weird ecosystem in this game, even mm. though they're not even, like, really animals. Like... I don't know. I just love the game. And what I was going to say about Matt, his pick, is that people forget that this isn't us trying to guess what everybody else will think is the best game of the show. It's our picks for game of the show based upon what we experienced at the show. Matt, Star Trek, I'm Horizon Zero Dawn. And I love that game. And I cannot wait to play it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there you go. There's our best of E3 awards for 2016. Be interested to hear all the feedback. Um, I'm sure there are some people crying that Zelda didn't get it from either one of us. But I think if you watch this show or watch the beginning of the show when we talked about Zelda, it shouldn't be too big of a surprise. Uh, what did you say your runner-up was again? Um, oh, for Honor. For Honor. Probably a good pick as well. Okay, let's see if we got any questions from you guys before we uh, close A couple it people out. have been asking what I'm drinking. No. Oh. Uh, this is Blue Sky Black Cherry Soda. All natural. Blue Sky. <laughs> something for the Tori Amos fans in the audience. I'm sure we got a ton of those. Yeah. Okay, we looks like we got a ton of questions. Um, from Unfashionable, did your opinion of VR change after E3 or change your plans of which when to buy? Not really, because the stuff that I was, you know, stuff like Star Trek, I... It's not out. So yeah. what, if I buy it now, what am I doing? You know, but uh, I'm 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 now thinking maybe I'll um, I might go Vive instead of Oculus just to wow. have a better experience. Gonna step it on up. Yeah, we'll see. It definitely changed my perspective. It went from something that like I think I wanted to something I definitely want, and I feel like I would be really disappointed if I was left out of like like what Matt was talking about, like the communal part of it, like making that human connection in a fantasy world like you can't really put it you're right rock band and games like that 
Like when you're playing rock band with four people and you're like you're all nailing it and like mm-hmm. you're all getting like perfect scores, like that feeling that you get like in your soul really. Like that's the kind of thing that you get from VR like it's really hard again, you know, we say it over and over, you have to try it and you really do. Like make an effort and look, it's a big investment. It's worth making the effort to go try it out. Like even if you just go try like Oculus, which right now is it a lot of Best Buys? Go give it a whirl. Oculus is kind of the mid-range. It'll let you know. I mean, it's probably the best thing to try with Oculus because mm-hmm. it's in the middle. If you and feel like it's not good enough, like you might want to bump up to the Vive. If yeah. you feel it is good enough, you can sort of give the PSVR a shot. But no matter what, it is good enough for you to get an idea if, mm-hmm. I did, if, again, if you're I w- going to get that feeling we were just talking about. Again, I will say I think, I think the PSVR is the most comfortable yeah. of the three. Yeah, I think it's the lightest as well. It doesn't feel as heavy as the other two. Also, it looks the coolest when it's on because it's glowing like a Tron thing. For sure, yeah. And when you see like all the people like demoing it, like all standing in a row in the Sony booth, it all it looked pretty awesome. Yep. I mean, in a really dorky way, but like it still looked pretty awesome. Oh, here's a good one. Uh, What was a game for which you had to wait the longest in line to play? Did it feel like the wait was worth it? Uh, I don't wait in line. For, yeah. for these things for the most part. But I did have to reschedule the Star Trek uh, VR appointment uh, twice. So uh, technically I waited three days to play that. <laughs> um, and but it was I worth it. Yeah. So that was it. That was it. I didn't really wait. Long. I mean, otherwise it's like the stuff, most of the stuff I played I waited maybe five minutes. Yeah. I think, Honestly, I didn't have to wait hardly at all. Wednesday, I did PR appointments. Mm-hmm. And they just, I was there on time and they rushed me in. Um, yeah, normally I either have appointments or I look for someone I know who can get me past the line. Like, I don't really wait for things. Yeah, Thursday... We're spoiled. When I go, Yeah, we are spoiled. Thursday when I went in, there was nobody there. Like, nobody. Yeah, Thursday was nothing. Every Thursday, single person yeah. when I got there was at the Zelda line. So I literally just tore that show a new one in, like, very short order. Uh, as far as the game I had to wait the longest to play, it was probably Cuphead. Hmm. Because it was down on the floor, and... Most of the games on the floor, you had to wait maybe behind one person or two people. And with Cuphead, I had to wait behind, like, five. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that long. I think I waited 15 or 20 minutes maybe to play it. Um, the line that I saw that was the longest in general, although I didn't have to wait that long to play it, was probably Sea of Thieves. Yeah, Sea of Thieves had a really long line. It always right? had a line that wrapped around yeah. and outside. That might have been the longest line that wasn't Zelda. Yeah. And as far as what Matt was saying about how he kind of went with the game that he, like, had the most fun with, I mean, I would say Sea of Thieves, like, Mm -hmm. Horizon Zero Dawn was, like, more intense and interesting Mm -hmm. and thoughtful. That's a game you really can't wait to dig dig into. Sea of Thieves was really freaking fun. And it's kind of the same way you're talking about with, like, VR. It's this communal thing because Mm -hmm. everybody has, like, a role to play. But the roles aren't defined, so... You know, when, like, the other team, their ship starts coming towards you, it turns into this, like, crazy scramble of, like, what job is everybody going to do? It's like, one person will be like, I'll take the wheel. And I'm like, good, because I don't want to take the damn wheel. (laughs) Like, I'll take the cannon. And someone else is like, I'll go down and, like, patch holes if people, they blow a hole in the side of our ship. So there's all these separate roles that you play. The one caveat I would say with Sea of Thieves, though, is that I wonder over the long haul if it's going to hold up. Because... I've seen a lot of other articles that, like, have the same really? question. That, like, 
you know, oh, it's awesome, but how long will we want to play it for? Because each role is pretty simple. It's like... Well, also, what if you don't have your whole team there? Well, like, I is, would it, is it a solo game at all? I, can, like, I you need don't to always know. team up with the randoms? The demo or? there was only multiplayer. Well, they said that like there's there's like smaller ships, you only need like, one player to, sh- to sail, but like obviously the point is to have everybody on these big Right, but then you have a big ships. boat just come and just smash yeah. your ass. Like, I wouldn't want to be in a small boat in that game. But I did. The, the rounds that I played in that game, I had a total blast. So it's hard to ever say... Sea of Thieves is the one game I wanted to play I didn't get to. Yeah, because like just, I said, the line was... line was long. You it was, had to wait every it off. time. It you couldn't just, just yeah. walk in and play it. Yeah. Uh, Scorefear asks, I mentioned Rockstar signage at E3 before it opened, I thought, was the basis for the Red Dead GTA thing. What was it for? That was for Gwent. It was, yeah. That was that. actually uh, Gwent, which was interesting because they didn't finish that mural on the side of that building until like Wednesday evening, and I'm and, like, there was still like white unpainted. I can see where days. you got fooled, definitely. But it had a similar art style, definitely, yeah. And um, I wonder if they got some of their money back on that uh, unfinished mural. Because it clearly wasn't done in time. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was weird because well, I like, noticed they posted the picture of it like when the show was ending. Right. Because <laughs> well, it was they did finish it. Yeah, eventually, yeah. But, like, uh, but it was interesting because the the art style totally not anything CD Projekt Red has ever put out art style wise like that. And it's, but it's all the characters from The Witcher like, but as like nerds, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if they're, they're caricatures of the developers or if they're like other people. I don't. I didn't get it. I didn't get what that was supposed to be. But I thought. I thought the Witcher, the, the the Geralt guy, was gonna be like a rock star parody of like a Steve Jobs sort of like um, hipster aging hipster uh, tech guy yeah, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but that was wrong. Here's one from Erebus Jones. Question: Does the internet owe Infinity Ward an apology after that trailer? Uh, I think they'd rather just have your money. Yeah, <laughs> they would. <laughs> Apologize by buying the game, I think would be their answer on that. I get what you're saying. Like, they did just, like, straight up shove it in everyone's face. But nobody owes them an apology. Everyone's just making op- truthful observations. Like, yeah. their last game wasn't good. Like, I still stand by my fairly meh reaction to the original Infinity, Infinite yeah. Warfare trailer. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah. But this was another world. It was, literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see. This is from Supercord on Blue. After Sony's amazing showing an MS Scorpio announcement, how bad does Nintendo have to get the NX right? Pretty bad. Pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Reggie already did an interview with Bloomberg where he already said we're not getting in an arms race with Sony and Microsoft. Pretty disappointing to hear. Um, It sounds like he's saying the same stuff that he said before they showed the Wii U Mm. for the first time, which means... It's probably going to be as powerful as Xbox One or PlayStation 4. Hopefully, it's PlayStation 4 at least. <sighs> but at least the fact... I like the fact that Aonuma said, um, basically said, like, uh, we decided that looking down at the gamepad for, like, two different screens was too confusing and took you out of the game, so there's no second screen in Zelda. I'm like, did you just admit that the Wii U was a bad idea? But dude? they did, but there is, because Link has a tablet in the game. Right. Like, it's actually an object modeled inside the game. Right. And you do look at the gamepad. Like, not as much as you... It's not like a gamepad-driven game, but mm-hmm. you still have to look down at it to do, like, your food crafting and everything. Like, it's still... But it's not something you have to, like... 
look at it's while, not while, you're, while you're moving around, while you're playing. It's, it's like, no Star Fox Zero. No, not at all. <laughs> which, also, you know, which also to me says we probably don't have a massive second screen incorporation in the NX. Here's a good one. Mnemic. How many companies do you think will learn something from Sony's conference and change their plans for next year for a better presentation? Zero. Zero. <laughs> None. No. I mean, Microsoft should have learned that lesson four years ago. Like, it was funny. Like, I was gathering footage for today's show, and, like, the Gears of War demo, I watched it again. What the hell were they thinking? Cutting away from that demo to, like, the mm. stage. It's insane. But, yeah, after Sony's press conference, everything else just seems so archaic and corporate and crap. Like, you don't need somebody to go out every time and stand there and read a teleprompter and say, you know, here's this game. Mm-hmm. Now let's bring out Billy so he can talk about the next game. Well, like, seems, you don't it need seems any like of they, that crap. They still treat them kind of like a permutation of investor calls. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah it's, like they're, it's like a PowerPoint presentation. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know... When I was at Viacom, we go to New York to see the people in New York and Viacom. Like, that's how, like, our presentations were. We had a deck, and, like, my boss would intro everything. And now here we have Shane to talk about the web traffic for the month. Hey, Shane. Hey, John. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Well, let me tell you about the web traffic we had this month. Like, that's exactly, mm-hmm. like, how these – it's so stiff and stupid. Like, I hope they all do. I mean, hopefully and all of us collectively – We'll heap enough praise on Sony over the next year so that others follow suit, but I highly doubt it. Like, yeah. I doubt anything will change. Nothing, you will never drag Ubisoft away from that, you know, intro, talking, minor gameplay trailer, talking more. Aisha Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not happening. Not going to happen. But at least we'll have Sony. But I wouldn't even be surprised if Sony went back and did, like... Another press conference like they used to do. Well, they got hardware to introduce next year, so there probably will be more talking. We got away with basically an intro, an outro, and a weird little thing about Crash Bandicoot that apparently somebody cares about. Yeah, not me. (laughs) People people in the chat care about Crash Bandicoot. I I don't know why, but... I guess I, I guess I was too old for that one. I think it looks like Unfashionable was saying you can play Sea of Thieves solo with AI teammates. Mm. That does not sound it's probably really not fun. as much fun. Yeah, definitely not as much fun. Uh, Gino Mike One asks, "What game are you surprised was missing at this E3?" Oh, Kingdom Hearts Three. He mentions Mass Effect, which is a good pick. I mean, they at least had a trailer for that. Yeah, thing. but I just I was I think we were hoping for a little more. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kingdom Hearts Three is the big one. That's the one that sticks out to yeah. me like right away. Um, they've got others. They've got two oh, other... Final Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, didn't show that. They've got they've got two. I I did call that one. I was not one of my main predictions, but yeah. I did call they would not show anything new on seven. Yeah, they didn't. Um, they didn't talk about it. And uh, I, st- I mean, even though it was one of my predictions, I am still somewhat surprised they didn't even mention Hololens. Um, at, le- at least to say like, hey, it's coming. Yeah. Or because I don't think it is coming. Maybe not. The I mean, dev kit was too grand. Not, like, for, not for that price. I would never that? guess that. They're way ahead of their time with that tech. Um, here's one from Palty Player. Was there any chance to find out what caused the delay of Zelda besides the obvious reason of releasing with the NX? Was any other reason given? No reason was given, but I can tell you what it was. It was because they changed it to an open world game. Like, the game, or I, my guess what, is... What, you mean the delay to next year? Not, or the delay from, like... From years like from three back years, then. Yeah. from two years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was because they changed direction yeah. completely. The delay from this fall to next March was the NX. 
I don't think that. I think so. I think that this is their first open world action RPG, and they bit off more than they could chew, and they just couldn't get it done in time. No, I, I think I think they delayed it because they don't want to release the Wii U version first. It could be either or. Could be, but I know where, where my money's on. I don't know. Game still looks a little rough around the edges to me. I, that, I, I mean, think, think I about think it. That... It would be coming out like right now. But no, it'll be coming out this fall. Was it Q4? Yeah, of course. It's always going to be Q4. I thought it was. They never gave it specific time, but it was. They just said 2016. But uh, I'm sure was, that's a Christmas game, man. Like that, that you release Zelda at the end of the year. Because it's the it's the 800 pound gorilla. It's the only thing they have that can stand up to those other franchises coming out at that time. Put it out the week before Thanksgiving, you're gold. Here's one from Rewind Play Labs. Do you think that overall this console generation has been disappointing so far when compared to last generation? Yes, I do. It still feels like it hasn't quite gotten started yet. There's just way less games than there were last generation, period. Whether you're talking AAA, B-level, the only thing that I feel like there's more of now is indie games. Yeah. But, like, as far as AAA, whether you want to be exclusive or third-party, the the game count is way down compared to last generation. And it generation. feels like a lot longer spans of time between the major... Event games. The risk taking is way lower. Yeah. That's why I love Horizon Zero Dawn. It's a brand new IP. It's this wacky idea. Imagine trying to pitch that idea to like somebody in a meeting, like, mm-hmm. and convince them to invest like two hundred million dollars in it. Like, and their response is basically, "All right, make one more kill zone." Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And come on back. Barf out one more shooter, <laughs> and hopefully we'll make about two hundred million off of it. But yeah, it is. It has been disappointing. The, I would say the. Quality of the games that we are getting hasn't been disappointing, but the quantity has been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Quality's been pretty good. I mean, what we've gotten has been, for the most part, pretty good. But like, it doesn't come often enough. Basically. Yeah, I think PlayStation Four, especially, like the exclusives for that console, for being the the space leader. I mean, Phil Spencer made a good point at E3 again, just like he did last year at E3 when Sony kicked their asses. Was that you know once again all our games are coming out this year. Mm-hmm. And with Sony, it's like, it just seems like there's this rolling schedule where things just keep getting delayed and delayed, and we keep seeing, like, trailers and gameplay demos for stuff that we never seem to get to play. Like, yeah. For the amount of money that Sony's generated on the PlayStation 4, the output, first party-wise, and Sony said it itself at the end of last year, and we're only six months from that. Mm-hmm. And what have we got to play this year so far? Uncharted 4? I mean... Uncharted 4. Pretty much. I mean, that output's not good enough to... And they had nothing last fall. Yeah, when you're the market leader, I mean, and what, we got Ratchet and Clank. Well. Which is good, It's it's good, but it's not Nobody bought a PlayStation 4 for a Ratchet and Clank game. So, yeah, I would say that it has been disappointing so far. I would also say that probably in the next couple years, it's going to be an absolute avalanche. In Mm -hmm. fact, beginning around October of this year... You can see it warming up. (laughs) Beginning in October this year until, like, March. E- next E3 yeah. almost, it is going to be awesome. Like, next February, my birthday month, is it's going to be happy birthday to yeah. me because there get, are so many great games coming. I get Persona 5 and For Honor on my birthday. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Like, yeah, the first quarter. And of- that's, like, not even, like, the biggest stuff that month. Like, February is insane. Q1 2017 is going to be Far and away better than Q4 of 2015. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's see here. Uh, 
Yeah, somebody said Aisha may take a lot of crap, but she's a great, pre- she's a good presenter. She's a great presenter. Yeah. Aisha Tyler is, if you're going to do that style of E3 press conference, mm. she's, it's about as good as it's going to get. I love that she drops, like, street language while she does her presentation. Like, she just doesn't get a She kind of takes the piss out of Ubisoft, too. She does, yeah. She goes after them sometimes, and I like that. Uh, let's see. No Dragon Age this year from Nemec. Nope. Didn't show it at all. What was the most cringe-worthy moment of E3? Mm. The Minecraft girl. I mean, the Minecraft thing where they said, let's get out of here, and then they stood there for like 10 seconds. Was, <laughs> was kind of... Mm. Um, There's a cringe compilation uh, curated to Sifted right now, by the way. You can just search for cringe, and I'm sure it'll be like the first result. Right. But a YouTube channel like put together. There was like Sony's like live coverage had a lot of really yeah. awkward moments. I mean, the Xbox press conference demo of Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, that's I, where I, I cringed the most. I felt actually. sorry for everybody involved in that. Yeah, it was not Even a good Titan. showing. I felt bad for Square Enix, man. It has so much tied into this game. It's yeah. like. And it should be like it's no-brainer. It should be a simple, like, hey, Final Fantasy fifteen, come, come on, come play it. it you're know? right. It should not be that difficult. Uh, okay, we should take one more question if we can find one. Um, oh, Kadaz is asking about my prediction for E mm-hmm. three being a disappointment. I think we gave me gave me a half a point for that one. Was that the one I got half for? Yeah, you were. You were I think you were right in spirit. Yeah. Three games coming out on Valentine's Day. You know, Battlefield 1, we ended up hardly mentioning that on our Best of E3 show. It's true. Yeah. In if you'd have talked to me like three weeks ago, I thought I would have thought that it would have been a big topic of discussion, but... In the end, Space Fighters and uh, Spider Powers. It just kind of got swallowed up. Yeah. Yep. So, all right, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you for hanging out. I know we've got started a little late. Uh, I know actually the last couple weeks have been rocky with streams and everything else. We finally have all our gear. Um, it will be working for next week's show, I guarantee it. Like, we have mm-hmm. all the gear, we just need cables, and we thought we had them all, and we didn't. But uh, next week it'll be all good. So it'll be good to get everything flowing in a normal direction again. It'll be good to get past E3 a little bit, too. I am so freaking tired, man. I Last night I finally slept six hours. I had slept four to five hours every night this week, so... I splurged and slept in to, to, so I would be uh, nice and perky for the show tonight. So if any of you guys in Europe are still watching, by the way, thank you. It's like the next day in Europe at this point. <laughs> it's like 6 in the morning. Like It's time for you to, to go to work or whatever. So thank you very much if you're still tuning in. Uh, Game Face will be back. It's normal day and time next week, Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific. This was just a special episode of E3. Uh, thanks to everybody who was on Sifted during E3 and uh, made the community great and something fun to be around. We really appreciate it. So we'll see you next week. Everyone have a great weekend. Game Face is up and out.